0: This is Sid Higg for Nightmare Junkhead. Listen, I'll come over there and put my boot all up in your ass.
1: We are horror nerds that weave in and out of your consciousness like a bad nostalgic dream you can't wake from. That's right, this is the Nerds of Your Nightmare podcast, where we combine the nerds of nostalgia and nightmare junkhead together to create a very special episode for you, the listening audience. My name is Greg D, and on today's episode, we're having a lot of premarital sex... We're rolling up and smoking some doobies as we delve into Camp Crystal Lake and look at the entirety of the Friday the 13th franchise. But before we go any further, let me introduce to you our co-host. He is the Jason Voorhees to my Roy he is the minister of sinister the one and only genius mcgee genius that place has got a blood curse on it <laughs> it's got <to> a death curse <laughs> there's going to be an over and under the amount of times i say that <laughs> i won't lie crazy ralph is my boy and plus if we can introduce
2: you know a little sourdough sourdough yeah some the people have a sick way of entertainment as he stares us you know. <laughs> You're breaking the fourth wall, man. And as we did on
1: our Halloween episode, we are bringing in a very special guest to top camp blood with
2: it's us. too much horror for just two nerds.
1: We need to spread the love, mm-hmm. you know, because this is a franchise that is well loved yeah. by many of folks, including this gentleman. He is one of the co-hosts of the Necronomicast, which I won't lie, is in my regular podcast rotation. He is a self-professed Friday the 13th enthusiast. <laughs> Welcome to the first time on the podcast, Mr. Brian Corey. Brian, how are you?
0: Gentlemen,
3: fellow nerds, I'm very, very excited to be on the Nerds of Nostalgia this evening. Thank you for having me.
1: Hey, so okay, we're glad to have you, man. This has been something we've been trying to work on for a while now. Since um,
2: at least Crypticon.
1: Yes. Which actually, That's I, very... if I remember right, Brian, I, Yeah, well, I don't think we had a chance to meet you uh, at Crypticon.
2: Mm-hmm. No, I was shaking hands,
3: kissing while you were on our show getting interviewed by some of our co-hosts, and uh, I, was,
2: I was spreading the gospel, as it were. <laughs> you were out there uh, killing the counselors that didn't pay attention, right? <laughs> that's right,
3: that's
1: any, right. Anyone out there, you know, getting it on there. So before we go any further, we, before we get to the meat of the episode, um, tell our listeners, where can they find you guys out on the social media?
3: Absolutely. So you go to Necronomicast.com. Necronomicast.com is our main page you can find us also at Facebook and Twitter you can uh, email our show necronomicast at gmail and uh, we uh, are available like every other show at iTunes and we'd
0: love to we'd love to have you
1: cool absolutely and like i said you guys are definitely on my regular podcast rotation and i listened to the west craven episode and i'm before we i because i want you to talk about the podcast you know where it came from you know how it evolved but i'm gonna i've got to i feel like i need to call you out on something yeah i'm gonna call you out on that one too this is the, you know you and i i'm gonna let you know up front i'm the guy that if you like something it's cool if you don't like something it's cool but i was really surprised when you said this but you're not a big fan of shocker how in the hell do you not like
0: shocker dude i'm i'm
2: sorry <laughs> Oh, uh, man, I
3: watched it, and I just, uh, I don't know, maybe I was just having my period or something. <laughs> you
0: know,
3: I saw it, you know, back in the day, I saw it back in the day, and then I just watched it again because the man just died, and I knew what he going to be talking about, so I saw it was on my rotation someplace, streaming somewhere. And I watched it, and I was just like, you know, the whole end when they're, you know, running through the different movies and whatnot, I was just like, Christ, I just couldn't have it anymore. But, you know, no disrespect.
1: Oh, no, 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 no. no every, every,
2: everybody has their own opinions. <laughs> but it was I almost yeah. thought it was brave to come out like
1: that, you know, because, I don't know, I guess, what's the general consensus on Shocker within, like, the internet, you know, the horror community? I always yeah, thought I it was well-received.
2: Under, well, for the most part, I think it's one of those underrated classic-type things, almost like a Wes Craven's cult movie. Oh,
3: yeah, people, people love it, and I respect what Wes is trying to do with it. It was a different idea. Uh, in some regards, and you know, he's trying to make some money with Universal and whatnot. But for me personally, it just didn't resonate as much as other of his classics that he's such a master of horror.
2: Vampire in Brooklyn. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a slept on Eddie Murphy. uh
0: <laughs> Just as good as Forty Eight Hours, right? Huh? <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> it was right up there with Ron Delirious. Just. <laughs> Although well, anything with Angela Bassett
0: you guys listen call me out that's fine yeah. oh no no
1: no like i said you know when i when i get something on my rotation you know i'm a pretty loyal listener but that made me i was like well, wow, that was really brave of him if he comes like, back
2: on the show he's gonna call us out on something he's like how oh, the fuck are you gonna fall down on wolf cop or some <laughs> shit like that he's gonna call you know, god damn it genius how do you not like rob zombies halloween or something like that well
1: speaking of the podcast all right, all right. um how did the Necronomicast cast come about
3: well the Necronomicast cast is brainchild of uh, of our kind of fearless leader Wayne Brecky and his friend Tim Welch and Tim um, about five years ago they came up with the idea to do a podcast on uh, horror movies and things like that special effects and, and science fiction things that they didn't feel was being represented the way that they, they liked on podcast uh, shows five years ago and Tim is a very creative man he's a head of Scream in the Dark FX and Scream in the Dark Film Festival here in Omaha he had his, um, depends on a lot of things, and so after a couple of years, he uh, he turned his attention to other things, and then Wayne recruited his wife Lori and um, our friend Scott Zimmerman, who's been my friend for like twenty years, and uh, Doug Kaborick to be co-host. And I've known Doug for about four or five years, it seems like. And uh, after a couple of their shows, and I was listening, and but Doug was like, "Man, you gotta you gotta come on and be a guest sometime." I'm like, "Yeah, that sounds like fun." And then. Came in to be a guest, and what do you know? I'm, two years later, I'm I've been elevated to co-host. So I'm
1: Happy to say, no. And you guys, one of the when I uh, when I met you guys up at the at Crypticon, um, I was immediately number one happy to see another podcast there, mm-hmm. and especially a podcast that was on the main floor. Um, but I went home and I listened to a couple of episodes, and the first thing that really struck me, and is one of the things that I really need as a you know a podcast listener, is good chemistry. Yeah, and. You guys have such great chemistry. It just makes me, when you get a, involved in a good discussion, I just feel like I want to like join in, even though I know it's you know logistically impossible. But that's just kind of like that, that ebb and flow you guys have. It's really good.
2: First-time listener. <laughs> Long-time listener, yeah, well, first-time caller. Yeah, right. yeah, well, thanks a lot. You know, uh, Wayne has, last count, excuse me, probably
3: four podcasts that he actively does. All oh, my the goodness. <laughs> he has uh, Worlds of Wayne, where he interviews um, a lot of musicians in town, and also the ones that tour through Omaha. He's had a lot of national guests. He, uh, him, and his wife have the uh, Big Words podcast, Five O'clock Lifestyle podcast, the Necronomicast. and then Wayne is also an avid uh, Dungeons and Dragons enthusiast. He has his D and D podcast. I think that's what it's called podcast. So he's, yeah, he's the pod father.
1: The pod father. That's that's intimidating, actually. That's a lot on his plate, man. Yeah. I don't see how someone can balance all that. And he's a drummer in town with his bands,
2: and uh, yeah, he's uh, he's a renaissance man. He works at King Kong Burger, and... Uh, <laughs>
1: Running for city council here pretty soon. Good yeah, lord.
3: Yeah, he's, uh, he's up for the election for the city council, and uh, hmm. police chiefs and
1: what welcomes you. Hmm. So are you guys going to be attending uh, any cons here in the future?
3: Yeah, you know that was our first uh, con, uh, the, the Cryptid Con in Kansas City. We talked about it last year, but we, uh, you know, I was kind of I was kind of fresh on the show, and we didn't make the uh, we didn't pull the trigger. So we did it this year, and man, that was so eye opening. It was so much fun. We're definitely going to go back to that one next year, and we uh, we might expand because we just had such a great reaction of, of, of not only people to us, but us to the experience
0: of, of the con. So it was it was a hell of a time, and Kansas City is always fun. Yeah, the, yeah. Horror,
1: the horror community is just so close-knit. Um, have you been to horror conventions before? No,
3: that was my first
1: one. Nice. That was mine as well, actually. Um, I, You know, it's kind of, on our show, it's kind of a running joke. I am totally, an, completely an introvert, and getting me out of this basement is like pulling nails. <laughs> and so, uh, Genius finally got me to, you know, come out of my shell, if you will, and attend it, and I was just blown away with just how much fun it was, the intimacy of it. Um, and just the, the overall community it was such an eye-opening experience it was, yeah it was just a, it
2: was a, it's a good show a good is. fun time yeah
1: just never yeah you...
3: and it, 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 the, one thing that struck me uh, when I was walking around when we after we set up that day and we were you know just getting ready for everything uh, the amount of talent that was in the room and I'm not just talking actors and directors and things like that I'm talking uh, movie makers guys that make their own independent films the guys that you know, do the paintings the guys that do the sculpting the guys that you know, and girls that make and you know, create all these things and tribute to horror movies and, you know, just for the fun
0: of Fright I, I was walking around like, man, there's a lot of talent in simple here. All I do is talk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a little intimidating when you start really mixing it up with people because you're like, damn, these people have legitimate like, you know, empirical talent for the most part, but it also shows kind of the breadth of the horror community as well.
0: Yeah, and everybody got along, man. I mean, yeah.
3: it's, it's so funny, like, going to the bar after Saturday night and we're sitting around and all of a sudden uh, you know, um Tony Todd comes out, sits down at the bar, and starts drinking
1: with people. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Just every now and you got to pinch yourself, and you know What is does BF not for drinking?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's candy oh, my God.
1: right? <laughs> and it's also nice, you know. We were we, you'd see like just Lance Henriksen walking around, perusing the Just booths. talking to people. Doug Bradley, just mm. it's it's and you know they know everyone. You know we've got uh, our friends uh, Zach and Erica that run Atomic Cotton, which is a great horror T-shirt company, and they do a lot of sci-fi stuff as well but they're the ones that were like, you guys really need to do this because it's just, everyone knows each other. And, and they're they're like, just... we're
2: going to go to Waffle House with Sid Haig and uh, Bill Mosley and just chill out for a little bit. And we're like, okay, shit. <laughs> it's kind of amazing how just
1: casual they can be about that. And it's so nice that,
3: you know, here in Omaha, you know, like, uh, I'm four hours away from you guys down I-29 and, and with the modern technology and everything, it's like, you know, we're all at Camp Crystal Lake together.
2: <laughs> right. You know, on your way to Kansas City, did you stop in Hamburg, Iowa? Uh, not this, not this time, no. That place is the land that time forgot. I really enjoy it there, especially what is it called, Stoner's Drug Emporium?
1: There's a place called Stoner's Drug Emporium. <laughs> uh-huh,
2: it's like a soda fountain and everything, and like it, 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 yeah. it does it not look there's like a lot, there's a lot of Omaha.
0: Does it
2: does Hamburg not remind you of like a town that like seems very innocent but somewhere there's like a Cthulhu cult or something? You know. Yeah, you're driving
3: through and the the locals are looking at
0: you and they, you know, the
2: sheriff's got to know about this. Yeah, it's it's Children of the Cornish. It's it's crazy. And then like because it's like a Pollyanna town. And then the first thing you do, there's like this like. Uh, a strip club called like the Beaver Hunt or something, just something like totally like, like, like it's out of a horror movie. We're going to Red Hot Pussy Liquors afterwards. Come on down to Hamburg Stoners Drug Emporium and the Beaver Tap. You know, just like... <laughs>
0: sounds yeah, like we'll, a good. Hey, let's
2: all let's go oh, Let's go meet at the manhole. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> the,
0: the Blue Oyster
1: Bar. Oh my God! So. What is the future of the Necronomicast? What do you guys? Because uh, I've seen, I've listened to some of your themed episodes. You just did one where you guys had like a little bit of a reaction after. Was it a a little like? Was it a haunted house that you'd got, you'd gone through?
0: Yeah, well, that one is called. It's
3: called the Escape Omaha, and it's kind of a trend uh, going around the country. I don't know if Kansas City has one or not. Uh, it's it's a real business, and what they do is they have these um, role playing activities where you're locked into a room. The room that they comped us was called like the for- Forgotten or the abandoned Russian outpost. So you're locked into the room with an hour, I mean for an hour, and there's props in the room, and then you have to work together to solve a clue to get a numerical code to unlock the door. And thereby, the story goes, if you get out of the room, you find out who the Russian agent is that's about to be assassinated in, in an hour. So if you don't get out of the room, the guy's dead. But they also have murder mystery, all these different scenarios that you try and escape a room. So, to answer your question about what's going on with the Necromalcast, sometimes we do these little mini reaction shows to things that we do that kind of are on the periphery of, of, of horror movies. And uh, So we go to horror movies, and we'll, we'll do a quick five-minute review as the credits roll, we call it the, you know, the post-credits or whatever. And nice. uh, We've got some theme shows coming up. Um, yeah, uh, it's just crazy. And we're hopefully, hopefully partnering, partnering soon with a, a new Alamo Draft House that's being... That's, uh, opening up in Omaha. Very um, nice. Opening and I know you guys are uh, established with the Alamo, Alamo folk and it's just uh, seems
2: like we're a class act. So yeah, future future looks bright for the for the boys. How, how, big, is, how sorry, big is how big is sorry. How big is the uh, horror community in Omaha? Well
3: yeah, like last
0: Wednesday, uh, yeah.
1: Sorry, and now you might be able to hear the trickle of We're actually recording at Camp Crystal Lake. That's a little bit of the lake water going by us right now.
3: <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, horror community, uh, and you, always, you have to be careful when you say that.
0: It's, it's horror with two syllables.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I was wondering about both. Yeah. So. <laughs> Big prostitution scene
0: mm-hmm, out there. Right,
3: right. right, right, So, so the horror community, uh, it's nice, man. It's, it's, it's pretty strong. Uh, we were surprised that one of the bigger clubs in Omaha uh, on Wednesday night had a trivia night, horror movie trivia night, and hundreds of people were there, like over 30 teams. And, oh my goodness! And actually, yeah, we came
0: in third. Nice. Had
1: a that no, that's representing hardcore. That's that's representing. Yeah, the guys
3: the guys that won were pretty scary. I mean, I'm sure they're great guys, but I was like,
2: boy, those they're hardcore right over there. <laughs> it was Kane Hodder. Yeah, 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 it was fun as hell, though. But, it, uh, yeah, the Horseman is
1: pretty strong, man. Nice. Nice, yeah. It's the same thing here in Kansas City. It's um, You've got a really good combination of, like, artists, writers, directors, actors. You mm-hmm. know, just a really good little ensemble, if you will. Um, yeah, it's, it's really good. It's really good here. Um, so, all that being said... We are here to celebrate, to worship at the altar of one Jason Voorhees and the Friday the 13th franchise. So before we go into the individual films, I wanted to kind of get your guys' background with the franchise in terms of, you know, what was your first exposure to it, um, first initial reactions, and because we are gentlemen here, we will have Brian go first. So, Brian, yeah, what was your kind of your initial introduction to Friday the 13th? All right, here's it, here it
3: is. Back in the early 80s in Omaha, 82 or so, Cox Cable was making, like, their growth of infrastructure into Omaha. So they were installing cable. You know, it was pretty new here in Omaha. The concept of cable TV being brought to Omaha. And, you know, this is back in the day where, you know, if you signed up for cable, you know, the salesman would come to your house after an appointment and sit down with you and you would go through the packages and everything. So I was a little kid. I was born in 74. So my parents... Were older. Uh, my mom was in her 40s and my dad was 70, 0 when I was born.
2: Wow. And,
0: yeah, and
3: why, why, why I mentioned that is uh, technology was a little, you know, 80s technology was just a little bit past him. So <laughs> the concept of, of parental lockouts and, and, and codes and stuff like that, it was, you know, it just didn't happen. Non existing. So, so, yeah, so they signed up for all these channels. And you know how boys R and, word, and you know, in the 80s. So we would talk about, did you get cable? Yeah, you know, we you know, talk about, oh my gosh, I saw a naked girl on Cinemax. Oh my God, I saw that. you know, we saw this. And so we'd sit on the schoolyard during the day and talk about things that we saw like the night before, the week before, whatever, on the new cable channels. And one thing that kept popping up was, was Friday the 13th Part 3. And people, the older guys, the, the older boys are a couple of years older than us were talking about, oh, this girl gets shot in the eye with an arrow. Oh, my God, this girl gets a fireplace poker in her stomach. Oh, my God, this guy in a hockey mask. So naturally, being, I don't know, so uh, nine years old or so, uh, I would get up in the middle of the night, or <laughs> like it, what felt like the middle of the night, 11 o'clock, something like that, sneak down to the one TV that had cable, and I would turn on when I knew Friday the 13th Part 3 was on, and I would watch it for like 10 minutes, shoot back up the bed because I was scared yeah, of this guy wearing... This, in this hockey mask. And then when the final chapter came out in the theaters, we had this small little theater uh, not too far from my house. And my older sister and her boyfriend, uh, my mom said, take take Brian out. Would you guys go do something? Will you guys do something? and So they said, well, we're going to go see a movie. Great. Here's a couple bucks. Take Brian to a movie. Well, the movie that they take me to in 1984 was Friday the 30th. I was <laughs> nine years old. It nice. was Friday the 13th, the final chapter So I saw that in the theater And I lost my mud over that movie I was so scared for weeks So that's where the seed was planted As I you know, got through high school you know, I always saw them in the theater Me and my friend Paul Who's a, uh, who's a big gourmet chef now in Omaha we'd, we'd buy a ticket for one movie We'd go see a Friday the 13th movie That was playing at the same time you know, So we'd buy the PG ticket Go see the R movie mm-hmm. We'd beg, borrow, and stole our way To see these movies I watched them in college, uh, just fell in love with them because there was a the whole 85, so uh, that, that's how I became a, a Friday
0: enthusiast, and so that's what feeds nicely onto the cast
1: show. Absolutely. In fact, I really like your little, like, almost, uh, you know, heroes-like journey, you know, going, <laughs> you know, discovering something, sneaking down there, watching in, like, little 10-minute uh, inter- incrementals, you know, and... Incrementals? No. Increments. Increments. Thank you. Um, It's it's almost, it's charming in many ways.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, because I watched like this
3: hour and a half movie over the course of like the month of June. Ten ten minutes at a time on HBO. And then later, you guys remember Commander USA's groovy movies?
2: That's where I, that's my introduction into the Friday the 13th.
3: Well, I won't step
2: on your dick, man. But I
1: watched a couple of the other ones on on, uh, on Commander USA. Yeah. So genius that was. Yeah, that USA? was my.
2: Yeah, I was Captain USA, and he was showing. I think it was part two or three, and, uh, it, and of course, it was the edited version. But I was still eating that shit up with a spoon. I was like, "Wow! How old do you think you were? I maybe about nine, eight, okay. nine. Yeah, I was. I was a youngster." But loving it, loving every minute of it, just sitting there like, holy shit, he got impaled. <laughs> Little evil genius just just laughing and cracking up at commanding USA, and then, then like the next movie would be like, Return of the Killer Tomatoes, totally like a total like total, total shift. shift, just a palate cleanser. It, it was fantastic, and I just wanted to seek him out, and I think the first one I saw in the theater was Six. Oh, it
1: was. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. So you so you got to see, and you know that's the other thing I'll ask eventually. You know, in terms of you know the ones we've seen in the theater. So because mm-hmm. you, you kind of have to have seen at least one of them in the yeah. theater to have that full experience. I think I've
2: seen all. I six seven eight nine ten. I think I've seen all of them in the theater except for the first like four or five.
1: Nice, nice. Yeah. Well, I grew up. Uh, my dad was a firefighter, and in one of the fire stations, they actually had uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part One, Two, Three, and Four on VHS. And it would just – and every now and again, they'd watch the movies because, you know, firefighters like horror too, you know. Uh, But I just remember every now and again, we'd go up and visit my dad, and occasionally that movie would be on. And it's one of those – almost kind of like you, Brian, where I couldn't watch for too long. I'd almost have to watch it behind a couch or a chair. (laughs) But just seeing those VHS covers – and, you know, Friday the 13th, the cover of that to me is still one of the all-time great horror posters. It's just, just the, so... The
2: silhouette of the woods yes, and the campers. in the and, in the body yeah. of it. Yeah,
1: it's so good. But those just haunted me. Mm-hmm. And even the back covers, when you then see Jason mm-hmm. in all of his glory with a hatchet or an axe or what have you, just scared the shit out of me. Yeah. But it was just one of those taboo-like things that you just wanted to seek out. You knew you weren't supposed to, you know, watch it. But uh, I'm also a latchkey kid, so I had kind of carte blanche to watch whatever i wanted
2: i think the third one had probably one of the best covers where it was just like the window yeah just like that and i remember seeing the third one with 3d glasses on tv then they're like, okay, go to Seven Eleven, and when you buy a Slurpee, you get some 3D glasses because tonight on Channel Five for Friday Fright Night, we're showing Friday the Thirteenth Three in 3D. So. And I
1: think Jason is attacking us here. The dog is warning us right. that evil is here. <laughs> uh, sorry, listeners. That's death like a, curse. It's got a death curse. Yeah. So uh, yeah. No, this is just. And here's the thing, Shacky, <laughs> Sh- <yeah. laughs> Lola. Um, oh. I like I we're we're talking we're we're focusing on Halloween Friday the Thirteenth Nightmare on Elm Street and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in terms of the series and the franchise. I think it's kind of the perfect franchise because of the options that it offers in terms of the variety of films. And again, let me explain that to you. So, to me, it's got three or four things that make it work really well as a franchise. It's got all these standalone films, so mm-hmm. films that you don't necessarily have to know the backstory or that have worry about the continuity. Uh, Friday the Thirteenth works as a standalone for me yeah friday the 13th part five works as a standalone for me and then jason goes to hell works as a standalone for me and the reason i say that is because there are variations on the main killer
0: you know obviously yeah. and we're going to yeah. be
1: talking spoilers ahoy with this episode
2: but but no. I, honestly if we're spoiling anything from friday the 13th you don't deserve to be listening to this podcast in the first place do your due diligence yeah. get out there right. you know make sure you're checking that out <laughs> i was talking to somebody how the hell am we going to spoil something like about a 35 year old movie yeah. you know it, it, what the fuck people still
1: complain but you've got the standalone films and then you have the human jason trilogy where jason is still a human being in parts two three and four then you have the Zombie Jason trilogy, where he's basically this undead hulking beast. In six, seven, and eight, um, you get the uh, Jason uh, X. Jason goes to hell. You've got all these. You've just got all these Different weird Jason. varieties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I think makes it versatile. And
2: then you also have some that are more towards humor, ones that are just straight up scary ones that are just kind of ridiculously fun, just different flavors of ice cream.
1: What does this land for you, Brian, just in terms of your, you know, if you were going to rank some of the all-time great horror franchises, you know, is Friday the 13th going to be up there for you?
0: Oh, absolutely. Now, now uh,
3: personally for me, Brian from the Necronomicon, uh, Friday, Friday the 13th is my favorite you know, franchise. Now, I could say, well, Halloween uh, as, as a movie just the original is one that's probably oh man it, it's it's top depending on my mood it's probably number two or number three horror film of all
0: time right? I mean, it's, oh, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah no, no easily, disagreement easily. It's, a classic, it's a classic of cinema but as a franchise
3: I like Friday the 13th a lot more as a franchise Nightmare on Elm Street uh, the first one classic of cinema number three um, I really love three and four two Boy, it's kind of funny.
1: Uh, <laughs> I, you know what? I'm coming. Around, I'm coming around. Coming out on number two.
2: Ha <laughs> yeah. ha. Okay. Hello?
3: I'm here. Okay. Sorry. As a, as a franchise, I'd have to say Friday is my favorite uh, of the franchises, even though there are superior films
0: uh, in, in the other
1: franchises. Yeah, it's this, the the sum of the parts. I can see that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, all that being said, then let's delve into the very first film—the film that you know launched the franchise, uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Made in 1980, came out, uh, directed by Sean Cunningham, written by Victor Miller. This is this is the one that started it all. Uh, So, start us off, Brian. What are what are your thoughts, feelings, you know, deep rooted desires when it comes to the original Friday the Thirteenth? Well,
3: as a flick, I'd love it. I just watched it again on Sunday to get a prepper. Kind to get some uh, preparatory contextualization <laughs> for your show. Preparatory H. Uh, <laughs> so, it's such a great movie and, and I love watching uh, the Crystal Lake Memories, which are the documentaries that were produced about these films. And Victor Miller straight up says, yeah, man, we just wanted to make a lot of money like Halloween. So they kind of basically said a Halloween kind of premise of a, a kind of a slasher, a stalk and kill kind of a movie. And, 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 um, it, it, it's funny to me, also. See, Who Done It? It's a, uh,
0: yes, it, it
3: is. Sucks, mm-hmm. it, it, it sucks as a Who Done It because because you don't it, you don't run into Mrs. Voorhees at all <laughs> no. right before you, you find out she's the killer, so it's just like, wait a minute, wait wait, 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 this doesn't make any sense. But as a movie, I love it. I think that the uh, Tom Savini kills oh. are amazing. I love his classic his classic uh, gore and splatter are throughout the flick. Uh, I have a, a joke with some of the guys. Um, that the scariest part of the movie is, in fact, the scene uh, on the dock where people are kneeling down, but Kevin Bacon is standing up, and you get that nice shot of his hog. In his <laughs>
2: <laughs> Kevin Bacon likes to show his dick in movies. Have you noticed that?
1: He's not show- well. <laughs> right, have you right. seen it?
2: Like yeah, I mean, like even in Hollow Man, he's the Invisible Man, yet somehow you see his dick. You know <laughs> how does how does that happen? He's Asian, man. You know, like, uh, and of course we
1: need to see Kevin's ballservice back throughout the film. <laughs> The Bacon so, yeah, Clause I mean, in all of his mm-hmm. films. <laughs>
0: it's Bacon. And I love, I love Harry Manby's scores. Yes. Throughout that. Mm-hmm.
3: I think, I think uh, his scores as the movies progress have six, um, kind of get a little tedious, but it's it sounds great. I mean, I just love uh, all his hits. You know, like when when there's the stings and everything mm-hmm. like that. You know, so yeah, I Friday the Thirteenth. It's, it's a classic, not a classic in terms of. Like the original Halloween, (laughs) or a classic of cinema, but as a as a splatter slasher, um, it's very satisfying
1: to me. I'm glad you mentioned the uh, score by Henry Menfrandini because, kind of like when we talk Carpenter, you know his music, his scores, they're much they're very they're a character in themselves. And I really think this establishes the music um, to the classic
2: and his own theme that chick.
1: Yes. (laughs) that's so unmistakable much like uh the the theme from halloween it's unmistakable the, i mean you hear that ch- ch-
2: that you know, yeah, you you're know, in for some shit, right?
1: You know, that's you're not mistaking it for you know any
2: other theme out there. <laughs> like Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass isn't going to come out of nowhere, <laughs> right? No Spanish flea. It's fucking Jason, yeah.
1: And it really complements the, the the scare factor to the movie because they ramp up the tension based on that. And this is the first film where we get that, mm-hmm. where it establishes bad shit's about to happen. The audience is in on it once that happens, and it's in when you're. Yeah. And when you're a younger kid, yeah, it's just one of those things where you're like, oh shit, you're just waiting for it, you're waiting for it, then they throw out a cheap scare, Uh, but then ultimately, you know, someone gets their comeuppance and some bad shit happens. It's quite nice.
3: Yeah, what I like about the score, uh, from a musical standpoint, is that there's a lot of tension that's created harmonically and melodically by the strings when they're very high-pitched and they're playing uh, intervals that are very close to each other, so you kind of get that tense, uneasy feeling. Mm
0: -hmm. And then...
3: uh, Especially since they kind of remastered them for Blu-ray and uh, the deluxe editions of the DVDs, you really get to feel those cellos and the basses when those people are really pulling the strings because they're slapping. It's like a a slapping sound on on the wood of the instrument, and and that comes across to the speakers. And it just uh, it's just real organic. It's real warm sounding.
1: Yeah, it really it adds that really cool element to the film that I'm. I'm happy it exists mm-hmm. the way it does. Yeah. So, Genius, what do you think of Friday the 13th?
2: I think it's fantastic. I mean, it's not like like you said, it's not going to go toe-to-toe with Carpenter. No, no. Uh, no, no. But um, for the beginning of the series, it's a definitely a fantastic, like, chapter one. And it kind of, like, lulls you, like, okay, cool. I want to see where it's going. It's, it is like a good whodunit. I mean, and I just hold that point of view the whole from the killer's point of view is really
1: nice which i know technically they kind of ripped off from halloween which of course ripped off from
2: you know what have you but but it, it's effective especially it's in especially in this movie you know the whole like sexy teens getting killed you know the whole that whole uh, trope which at the time was not that much of a trope yet so it kind of established itself as like this is the movie that you're going to want to create And I like that about it.
1: And this is the movie where if you have sex, you're definitely going to die.
2: You're going to die because of sex. Because that's almost the whole theme. That's whole... Uh, Mrs. Voorhees' whole raison d'etre. is yeah. like you know stop fucking around you know literally
1: yeah quite literally yeah and that's the thing that's uh and it's really interesting if you think back and think back around 1996 when Scream came out um and you know it's probably most famous scene is that intro scene <laughs> but they where sets...
2: but before when he even even setting the rules for horror movies that's the rules that were established by uh, Friday, Friday the Thirteenth not so much uh halloween because halloween michael myers had a purpose uh freddy krueger had a purpose the rules that say you don't do this in a slasher flick was defined by friday the 13th by this first movie in particular
1: and plus it wasn't really common knowledge
2: that well it wasn't common
1: knowledge enough that it was jason's mom was the killer in the original friday the 13th which is why they put that in scream
2: and it's still not right You know, people still who have not seen part one Blasphemers, but at the same time, who have not seen part one, they're like, "Oh, it's just a bunch of Jason movies," you know.
1: Right. And she was a mask pull away from people going like Mrs. Voorhees, because as you <laughs> I said, I would have
2: got away with it. If it wasn't for you punk kids having sex with your pesky dogs. That way, then now with dogs, but you
1: know, yeah, and it, it establishes her as just she's this tool of vengeance because the camp counselors were out fucking around and little Jason. God rest his soul wasn't a good swimmer
0: mm-hmm. and
1: just drowns and yeah and you honestly what I really like is um, Betsy Palmer always said a lot of people came up to her and were like I get your 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 need for vengeance
2: yeah you 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 not so much sympathize but you empathize
1: you right empathize there. yeah
2: yeah no it's it's
1: it's it's a lot to say and especially she was a pretty good little actress I right. always like Betsy Palmer well,
2: and you know in defense if like anything ever happened to Shorty. Oh, you know I would go on a spree. You know, I'm like, I'm literally like one bad accident away from becoming like a serial killer. Well, sure. Anyone with children can understand
1: that. And I know, Brian, you mentioned you have children. You know, God forbid, you know, are you going to go on a roaring rampage of revenge, you know, if anything happens?
3: Yeah, right. When uh, you, you, you mentioned that, and you guys were mentioning it, Betsy Palmer. Yeah. Um, Playing the role of Pamela uh we, we did an interview. or I did an interview with uh, Ari Lehman, who played Chase, during uh, the jump scare at the end, and he says that at one point they're even trying to—they were convincing, trying to convince Shelly Winters because of her performance in, in a Place in the Sun* with Montgomery Clift—to play the role of um, Betsy Palmer. And I'm so glad they did it because Betsy brought such a tenacity and kind of a you know craziness. I mean, she's—you know—you ever go to bar and you see that girl with kind of crazy eyes. Well, uh-huh. Betsy Palmer had crazy eyes in that movie, and uh, it, it almost reminds me, have you guys seen Mommy Dearest?
1: Of course, of course.
3: Okay, Bye. all right, all right, so it almost reminds me of that Joan Crawford kind of, that vibe that she was pulling off in that movie, it's like, Christina! No wire hangers! You know, she's, she's all, uh, the We yeah. weren't paying any attention, they were busy making love! Making love! Kill yeah.
2: them, Mommy! Kill
0: them! You
3: know, and, and you can almost feel Wet pouring off of Adrian King's brow as Alice, you know, was which, which just like, oh, oh shit, uh, uh, oh shit, I got of here. This, <laughs> oh yeah, this bitch is crazy. <laughs> it's, like, it's like casting genius. So yes, yeah, she, she she relays that what I do that feeling of her of her son uh, drowning, and then she turns that sadness and everything into this unstoppable rage that she's just gonna, you know, burn down the camp, poison the water well,
0: slay counselors.
1: Like Crazy Ralph said, man, it's got to death, cuss, and it's yeah, yeah. you, you, you. It almost plays like, um, just like any old old town that has their own little like, not necessarily an urban legend, but you know the bad shit that happened, and yet we're still paying for it, you know, one way or the other. Um, which I really like. Um, but the other thing that I really liked and I think is established in this first film is the use of darkness not so much the use of darkness, but how everything is shot in darkness and how it really creates just that atmosphere, that sense of dread, and it's just thick. Mm-hmm. And you, and that's the, the thing in this film is it's just a lot of it is shot at night, and it, it's effective. Mm-hmm. And I've seen some films where it's the same thing, and it's not.
0: Yes, absolutely.
3: And, and one thing that's great about that, it's written in the script. You know, the camp isn't finished yet. They're, they're, they're racing like mad to get it ready for these inner-city kids. That are going to come in and experience nature. So they don't know exactly how to work the generator. One guy kind of does. The light bulbs are burning out. Uh, you know, a scene where they go to the bathroom, they have to go and look underneath the sink to actually turn the water on. So it, it, it's a real, um, you know, fish out of water. You know, <laughs> the money pit coming in to be counselors. You know, they're like, you know, this, this place is barely
0: barely
1: put together you know and we'd be, we'd be uh, missing a lot if we didn't talk about uh kevin you know just kevin bacon's kevin bacon. basically yeah. uh, it wasn't his first film because that was back in animal house but this is kind of one of his, his
2: first starring yeah his first like speaking roles I guess,
1: and it's appropriate because uh one of the things i kind of charged you guys on was when we uh finished kind of talking with each with each um episode is what was your favorite kill from this one and for me with kevin bacon in this film he's just going to be forever tied to getting a freaking arrow stuck right. through his throat which is still to this day one of those just gnarly nasty yeah, it's deaths sweet
2: props to savini on that one
1: savini like like you said brian he kills it in this mm-hmm. movie uh you just from the throat slashings just to the invent just how inventive they were and that's one of the things that as a kid kind of draws you to that uh you're just like how the hell did they do that you know, we mentioned on the Halloween episode, you know, the really good FX guys, they're they are ma- they're very, they're magicians, but they're willing to show you. Show
2: behind the curtain,
1: yeah. And it's, it's always been inspiring. Uh, were you more of a gorehound growing up, Brian?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I used to
3: go, you know, there, there's a couple shopping malls that were within bike riding distance of the house I grew up in, and I would go there, uh, you know, and kind of cruise to the magazines, and uh, I, I wasn't allowed to have it in my house, but every month I'd go and I'd read Starlog, well, Starlog I could take. But *Fangoria* <laughs> was not allowed in my house. I did not miss an issue of looking through *Fangoria*, and I, and I was learning who these people were, these Thompsonies, these and you know, and 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 the, you know, how they did these kinds of things. They didn't give away all the trade secrets, but you know, with, with every good effects man, you also have like a director of photography and a lighting guy. Like they need to work in Congress together mm-hmm. to make sure that the that it, uh, the, the latex doesn't. You know, mm-hmm. I made it in my shop. But you got to light it in a way that it doesn't look fake. You know, mm-hmm. you know the blood looks good like this, but if you put too much light over here, then it looks too red, or you know what I mean. So it's they 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 must have worked together uh, to to make it look so convincing. The two kills, um, obviously, the yeah the arrow through the neck. You know, um, that's pretty amazing it, with Jack or Kevin Bacon's character Jack. It's the arrow through the neck after making sweet love. and... and and then, and then, you know, he's, like, laying he's like laying
2: back, like, yeah, smoking a joint. <laughs> you know, it's like there's, like, just a chilling. coming
1: in. Not knowing um, it's like, oh, I really shouldn't have done any of those two things here. Right, he's, like, a king. though. He's,
3: like, you know, laying back, and he's chill. And then he gets the arrow in the neck. And what's cool about that is that she was under the bed the whole time when he's banged her. You right. know what I mean? And their friend is up in the bunk above him with his face or his throat
0: fling. It's you
1: know, it kind of goes into more you know what was wrong with Mrs. Voorhees? What kind of kink did she have? Really, you know?
0: Right, right, right. <laughs>
2: she is moister than oyster, dear. <laughs>
0: and, and the fact that <laughs> Ned's, Ned's up in the top bunk,
3: flat. Dead. <laughs> Mrs. Voorhees is hiding underneath the bed while, while you know while Tim uh, Bacon's pushing and uh, getting
1: and foot loose.
2: And,
3: and then Pamela getting her head cut off at the end. That's that's pretty awesome.
1: Oh, it's wonderful. Great. It's yeah. wonderful. So, Genius, do you have an, uh, different a
3: different kill on that?
2: I do. Um, and I'm not sure if even if it counts as a kill. The very end. Oh. When Jason jumps out of the lake and grabs Annie. Annie? What was her, that was her name? Alice. Alice, Alice. 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 And grabs Alice. That scared the piss out of me. Oh. Because, and it's not technically a kill, but, I mean, it's a good, like, effective jump scare because you think it's over it's got that beautiful music it that lulls t- you into a false reading, sense of calm. And then, just like fucking Carrie, man. Like the end of Carrie. But it was just that false sense of...
1: Had the internet existed back then, you would have filmed people's reactions to seeing it for the yeah, first time. Yeah, You know, because th- yeah, this one
2: just, it does scare it the shit. It jogged me, and it still does. I know it's coming, and it's still like, oh shit, you know? Because it's, it's that false sense of security.
1: And I think it also says, you know, a lot to the the, the makeup job that Savini did on Ari Lemon as well. You want to talk about a guy that has milked his appearance yeah. in that film? And don't get me wrong, I think it's awesome. If I had been Jason back in the day, I'd still be proud as that shit. But my man, he's got the band.
2: First Jason. First
1: Jason. Has anyone seen that by any chance? Uh, seen no. him. Uh -uh. Just on the internet. Just on the internet? Okay. Haven't seen any of the live showings yet. Well yeah, the Friday the thirteenth really kinda paved the way for the franchise. It gave it a great start. But where do you go from there? Because even Alice at the very end when she's like, What happened to the little boy?
2: What little boy?
1: Then he's still out there. Yeah. And they I think they took kind of the, the logical next step is, uh, with Friday the 13th Part 2 coming out just a year later, is they decided, hey, let's just focus on Jason, this mm-hmm. little boy that we have, and they make him a man. Yeah. And Friday the 13th Part 2, uh, directed by Steve Miner, uh, written by Ron Kurtz, this is, depending on my mood, day of the week, what have you, this is my favorite Friday the 13th. Really? And yeah. To me, this is the one that... It's scary.
2: I think, yeah, I think this is probably one of the scarier ones of the franchise. This
1: one is no frills. Like, yeah. this one is just mean, lean. Uh, there's some shots in here to this day that still give me the chills. Um, but, uh, yeah, Brian, what do you th- What are your thoughts on Friday the 13th Part 2?
3: Number two, uh, I have to give a shout-out to my co-host, Doug. Number two is his, I think it's his favorite, so we always talk about it. I would <laughs> a very strong, very strong entry. I would put it Probably in my top three, I probably put it number three in terms mm-hmm. of uh, favorite. But I agree with you. It's it's uh, it's lean, it's mean, has great scares and like things that you don't even anticipate. Like when the sheriff is driving down that country road, and then you see like Jason kind of run across the road. Oh the yeah. Like when, yeah, it reminds me of when people talk about they see Sasquatch. It's always like on the side <laughs> of the wall. He's there, but he's you know what I mean. It's like they saw the the mountain man, you know, the, the weird, the terrible oh, no. Jason walking. And so, when, and then, and then we stumble upon his his uh, his uh, ramshackle shack out in the middle of the woods. And oh. the like, What the hell? He gets the hammer in the back of the head. Uh, yeah, and then just the the, the the kills in it. I think there's a really there's great kills in it too. Yeah, it's um, effective. I like the whole. There's that comic relief section, sort of like when they all go out drinking in the bar. <laughs> yes. Because there's that great blues band. Did you know that blues band is still together? Really. Smokey Boys. The yeah, Smoky Boys. Yeah, yeah, Shut. Yeah, up. They have a Facebook page. And
0: they have they have shit on River, uh, Reverb Nation. They play shows still. Yeah,
2: man. That's Smokey impressive, Boys. man. That's all. That's that is longer than Friday the Thirteenth has been around. Uh, do they milk it? They're like, we're the band from Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. Hey, let's hear not it. Too, not, not too much because you know they you know they don't play horror kind of music. I mean, they just play
1: their what they were playing at the casino It's right. you know, <laughs> kind of a down home blues band. So it's just like that's
2: yeah, fucking awesome.
1: Hell's yeah! Well, and then uh, with
0: this, I I love part two. Part
1: two is great. It's great. Super strong. It is. It really is. And this is the one where you know Jason obviously is identified by the hockey mask. But this is the one where he's just
2: in his little one eyed hood. And I think that's more menacing. That's way more menacing than the hockey mask to me. Just this hooded, the town, the dreaded sundown kind of figure. You know,
1: it's very effective. Um, And this is another one. There's really good use of darkness in this one because this is just a very dark movie. But I think also this gives us one of the great final girls uh, in this series is uh, uh, Guinea played by uh, Amy Steele. I love her in this film because she's the one. And this is the first time you see it where there's use of psychology. Yeah. Investing, Jason. She has a good idea it's a great idea and she even there's that great scene in the bar where she's almost you can see where she maybe is like sympathizing with jason just thinking about how the fact that he saw his mother you know beheaded he's been living out in the woods she uses the r word she's like you know what about this little backwoods retard basically and you're like oh 1981 <laughs> your your casual <laughs> use of you know Just waiting for a a certain F-bomb to be thrown out there. But not to get creepy, but this also one has uh, some pretty good nudity. And, you know, when you're a...
2: We're creeps of nostalgia as well. When you're a 9
1: or 10-year-old boy watching this, that's one of the things that kind of sticks out. Because there's actually a full frontal scene in this movie. Yes!
2: I mean, yes, correct. (laughs)
1: Which is, again, we love the kills, we love the gore, but that's also the kind of stuff that stuck out to you. That was titties
2: is just icing on the cake, man.
1: Well, that's what you went for. Right. You know, I mean, yeah. you were you were expecting blood
2: and boobs. boobs. Mm-hmm.
1: And this one delivered in spades. It was great. Uh, it was a really good final fight chase, again, with Guinea. Um, and the fact that she throws on the mother sweater.
2: And that's a dirty fucking sweater. Can you imagine how it smelled? That's- I mean, just... Fucking mildew and blood stain. Plus, it probably had like Kevin Bacon jizz on it from when she was hiding under the cabin. You know, so it's probably ain't been washed. You know what I mean? (laughs) If you wrung that thing out, oh my god, ghosts would come out and shit. It's probably It could probably stand up on its own.
1: But uh, what's really cool, though, is this is the start. This is the beginning. This is the crime alley of Jason. You know, this is his first film, his first chance to stick out. And I think the, the franchise could have gone so many different ways mm-hmm. had this not been successful. Right. You know, but ultimately, no, it worked really, really well. Yeah. And I also want to give a special shout-out to one of the uh, the counselors. is played by a guy uh, from a favorite of ours uh, from Just One of the Guys. He was the guy that was the reptile guy from Just One of the Guys. Oh, yes! He's got the red hair and shit. He's got a little mm-hmm. bit of... Great. And he survives. Yeah. There's actually quite a few people that survive in this film. Um, it's got a good body count, but this is why I also think it's well-balanced and why I think I like it so much. Mm-hmm. It's just it feels... It just works really well. It has a really good flow to it. Um, Some of the later episodes, I think, kind of suffer sometimes from pacing. Uh, Even part four, I think, kind of, you know, the very first part. But I just, to me, there's just nothing wasted in this. Mm -hmm. It's just so good. And I don't even want to shout out, there's a shot where uh, Ginny Ginny is, she's got the pitchfork. Yeah. And she's just holding it menacingly, and it's just got this look on her face like, if I don't react to her, I'm going to fucking die. And you just...
2: fight or flight. Yeah, and the
1: terror on her face... To this day, it still affects me. Yeah. It's just like, my God, that's so menacing mm-hmm. and ooh, wonderful, wonderful. Um, this one also. You would think, <laughs> if you're in a wheelchair,
2: yeah. If you're a good guy,
1: you still haven't had any of the sex or anything. You're gonna make it, and unfortunately,
2: this is a mean, a mean movie. movie
1: Because much like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, apparently if you're in a wheelchair, you're not not immune to dying. you're not
2: going to get away from their killer in your wheelchair. Let's just be honest. It's not a hover-rounder or a rascal. You're not going to be able to, like... I can get out away from serial killers thanks to my hover around you know and they're just in the Grand Canyon doing donuts and shit you're not going to get away if you're just in one of those little push wheelchairs this is fucked up this kill it
1: really is and it's one of the ones that for me is one of the top kills in that area because it's just so nasty
2: and you're yeah, not expecting so it you think the wheelchair kid's going to survive because
1: well, and you think he's about to get laid too right. he really is yeah
2: he, he he's about to have the fucking best day of his life he's about to see if she works from the waist down and no jason's got to be a cock blocker
1: <laughs> it's so horrible so uh in terms of kills in this one what stands out for you guys
3: well for me it would have to be it would have to be the uh, machete to the head to uh, mark the uh, wheelchair guy poor mark you know, like you just said you know like, like he's like he wants smoke some dope He's like, no, I'm in training. Oh, okay. And then this lady is all over his jock the whole movie. Yes. She wants him so bad. She even goes and sprays perfume down her underwear. She wants him so bad. And he's about to get laid. He's looking around for her. And then, boom, not only did he get a machete to the face, the face, okay, he rolls
1: backwards. Oh, and it's crazy. down the, down the stairs.
0: That, like the exorcist. It was, right. So,
2: That's <laughs> insult to injury right there.
0: <laughs> that, that kill is so sweet that the, uh
3: when you watch the later movies when they have like the exposition yes. you know, the, the five minutes of backstory that's always like one of the kills that they yeah. show to explain the, 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 the mythology of Jason it's, it's, it's one of the iconic
0: kills of the whole franchise it's, it's mean that's a cruel
3: Way to go. It
1: really is. And you actually... This one of those characters you're kind of like, oh, I'm kind of rude for. you rude for. Her. Yeah. And that's why I, I like this movie as well, because you are actually kind of develop... You, you kind of care for these kids. You know, later entries, you basically are Want waiting. them to
2: die. They're fodder. Right.
1: But early on, you kind of like you care for them. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is a really good identifiable trait of a good horror movie, where you're actually... Ter- you 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 feel for these kids, you're scared for these kids. Um and you just I don't see you really don't get that in the later film. So yeah, no, yeah, Mark's Death for me is the standout. It's just so nasty and gnarly and wonderful though yeah, at the same time. Uh now um was part now part two was this the one that Savini didn't work on because he was working on uh the burning or is that part three?
3: Well he didn't do two or three. Okay, two so or three I don't know what he was I don't
0: I don't know what he was doing
1: at the time. He came back for 4. Okay. Yeah, I think it was I know he was doing the burning uh, around 1981 with, with Jason Alexander. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is another uh, another episode there, but yeah, no. Part 2 really works for me. It's like I said, it's fun, yeah. it's nasty.
2: Do you think it would okay, in your guys' opinion, part 2 better than part 1? Is it a whole Godfather thing? Yeah.
3: Yeah, I would go with that. Yeah, I go with that. In too. terms of in terms of as a craft, yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think it wraps up
0: the tension a little bit better and uh, moves quick. To, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I you know, I, I don't
3: know. It, yeah, I'd say it's
1: a better it's a better representation of the franchise. Yeah, it, that's just it. it I, really, I, I, I would agree. This is the bones of the of the Friday the Thirteenth mm-hmm. that most people think of. Yeah, if you made me Sophie choice, it, you know, it's part two without a doubt. <laughs> but no, this is the one that really establishes it establishes jason it establishes friday yeah. the 13th as we know it mm-hmm. um and uh, you know, ultimately you know jason is befallen he's down for the count or so we think because sure as shit man just like you know a case of herpes that keeps coming back man mm-hmm. 1982 friday the 13th part 3 3d mm-hmm. uh, amidst the 3d craze which uh, I was alive during the 3D cra- craze. I saw Jaws 3 3D in the theaters. <laughs> me too. <laughs> uh, I don't know. This one, it's, it's uh, directed by Steve Miner again, so he's coming back for the third one, and written by Martin Catrosser. So we've got a different writer here. Uh, Brian, again, start us off. Friday the 13th, Part 3. This was your intro to it, so take us back.
3: Yeah, I've got fond memories of watching this one, and I just watched this again like uh, Monday night or so. And uh, it's just, it's, it's a lot of, for me, it's a lot of fun. I, I really liked... Characters all the way through. I thought it was, there was a lot of funny stuff throughout. You got your Cheech and Chong. You have got the uh, nagging housewife. You got you know the you know uh, Edna in the store. Uh uh-huh. um, You know the, the the poor guy that's just trying to escape his wife, so he goes into the shitter and uh, drinks a Jack Daniel's. Yeah. <laughs> he can't even he can't even get out. You know? Who hasn't done uh, that? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. No, it's it, you know it, it holds a special place in my heart. Now it's not as good. Uh, as two, It's not as good as 4, but it's a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, I love the biker gang element to it, you know. Um, and one thing that we should talk about real quick, uh, you know, 2, 3, and 4 is kind of the, uh, you know, they all happen within a couple of days of each other in the storyline.
1: Right, so and this is Saturday the 14th they, at this point, right? <laughs> well,
3: yeah, sort of. I, I kind of wrote it out. But the other point I was going to say is that they, they totally kind of retro the end of part two that it's now suggested that paul did survive because uh, like if oh, you listen right. to steve Miner who's actually the newscaster when end was watching about what happened in part two steve Miner is the newscaster on the television screen and, and the body count i think he says eight so if paul would have died he would have been nine
0: so, so
3: paul i guess i guess in part two they're suggesting. You know how he jumps through the window at the end of Part 2 and he's got the chin stuck in his shoulder?
0: Uh-huh.
3: Okay, well, at the beginning of Part 3, he pulls it out of his shoulder and he's kind of crawling out of his shack to begin the film. So that kind of suggests that it was Ginny's dream, like a hallucination of whatever happened to her, you know, maybe in the back of the end. PTSD. So that, right, 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 right. So, so uh, I just want to kind of establish that. Um, but, but Part 3 with the, with the gang and, Shelly oh. and the, the cool the, the funny
0: 3D gag I, and the, uh, the I don't know the, the guy getting split down the middle oh and Andy yeah. yeah so I'll just jump ahead
1: right there that's my favorite killer. yeah no that one actually I'll, I'll join you that was on my list yeah, yeah. the chopping of the groin man is mm-hmm. just oh that's nasty mm,
2: I, I have to say I agree with you on most of this but I hate <laughs> hate hate Shelly I hate him with a passion that burns brighter than the sun. I don't know what it was. I don't know what it is. I just wanted to be cool. Fuck you, dude. Okay? I'm a big guy, and I like to play some jokes and make people laugh and stuff like that. But at the same time, know your fucking limits. Know your fucking audience. You know what I'm saying? Shelly... Urgh. He was a, he he had, that that hot Mexican chick was like kind of digging him until he fucked it up by doing something stupid I'm gonna scare her. No, dude, no. You whined you no. dined you romance. You absolutely, you're absolutely right
3: because not only does he uh, you know, pull that shit with
0: the motorcycle gang, and she's like, "Oh, you were terrific." He could have played it a little bit better. I though. know.
2: He could have milked that shit and got some honey. You know what I'm saying? He. No, right. I, I think that's another reason why that Shelley pissed me off. Not only is he a bad representation for funny, fat people, but he also <laughs> squandered his chance with that hot Mexican chick. And that just irked me beyond belief. If yeah, you, yeah, yeah, if you
1: could see Genius right now, he is raging right Yeah, now.
2: my <laughs> face is like red I'm just angry at Shelly. I mean, I don't even like people name Shelly. I just it just it just really aggravated me.
1: He could never watch cheers every time right? Shelly
2: Duval came on. He's like <laughs> I just wanted to get her with an axe. <laughs> Shelly Duval <Yeah>, over. He's <laughs> such, such a mama boy to the whole film. I mean he's like is that is that all
3: you guys are gonna do this weekend?
2: So <laughs> dope? Like stop being a bitch, dude. Like, grab a doobie, stop pulling pranks and get some get some hot Mexican ass. That's all you that's right. just, that's what you're there for, you son of a bitch. Nobody nobody wants to be scared. Fucking, there's just a whole bunch of murders just happened not a day before. I'm gonna pull some scary pranks. Fuck you, dude. But and, and like you're right, play off that shit. He gave that biker gang what for and then he was like, "I was scared, but hey, everything's okay now." Do 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 do. do. I'm gonna scare you now. He been like, "Yeah, baby, I had that shit. <laughs> Ain't no thing." You know, that's how Shelly do. You know, he could have done. He could have went like that. And just, I don't know. If we ever decide to remake gotta make this, got him pantaloons, man. Right. You know? <laughs> we'll, we'll give
1: Shelly the, his due diligence. You know, we'll make sure he gets the uh, the. Well, I don't know, but he's the one that technically that introduced. He gave them hockey mask. right? So I mean, that alone. He's got a place in horror history. True, but he,
2: I think Jason would have been fine with the the de sack.
1: Oh, that y'all no, no, yeah, you know? no, no. I mean, given the given the choice, um, I mean the, the hockey mask is iconic. It's Instantly identifiable with the with the uh, the, 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 the 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 little potato, uh, sack. The potato sack. It's more
2: menacing to it me. It
1: is, but you also then have that whole you know the town that dreaded sundown comparison. True. So this though is, I mean, everyone copied from this, you right. know. And there's actually that whole thing, you know, was Lord Humongous, the initial?
2: Leave the gas and walk away.
1: <laughs> if he was the initial, you know, inspiration for Jason, because <laughs> that came out a year before. I
2: offer you safe passage, except for Shelley. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, honestly, though, this is the one for me that is probably, and this is interesting because I, I hate to say this, Brian. But this is the one that I'm not as into. This is the one that I have, you know, you know. Again, Sophie's Choice. This is the one that's getting it, unfortunately. So, and I don't know. It's probably for me because I didn't see it all that often, and this is probably the one that with the 3D gimmicks, uh, you know, which actually, admittedly, are kind of fun. You know, the
2: the the, the, the store one is the fun,
1: yeah. You know, there's some good stuff in there. But, yeah, for me, this is the one that just didn't hit it all that much for me. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and take a real quick break. And when we come back, we're going to go right into uh, final uh, Friday the 13th, Part 4, the final chapter. We'll be back here with Brian from the Necronomicast.
2: Hey, what's up? This is Tony Todd, a.k.a. The Candyman. And you're listening to, and you better enjoy it, the Nerds of Nostalgia. So stay tuned, get a grip on yourselves, get a grip on your inner geek, and pay attention or you will
0: be schooled the Nerds of Nostalgia.
1: Alright gang, we are back and we are still with Brian from the Necronomacast here. <laughs> Y'all hear that? Y'all hear that? Anyone? Anyone? What? It, uh, if, if only life was like that, that'd be kind of fucked up, actually, come to think of it. But uh, part three, we end with uh, Jason being hung. And actually, I part three, he gets an ass whooping. Yeah, he does. <laughs> like, he really gets just whomped upon and it's kind of wonderful uh and you uh, you know honestly you, you kind of think he is dead but of course you can't keep a good man down and in 1984 we get friday the 13th part 4 the final chapter mm-hmm. or so we think
2: misnomer
1: <laughs> this one is directed by joseph zito who cut his teeth in some canon films actually uh some of the uh, missing in action films so He's got an interesting background, and this one was written by Barney Cohen, uh, but uh, part four is one that I know a lot of people are very fond of, I, I myself included. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what do you think there, Brian? Start us off with Friday the 13th, part four, the final chapter.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you guys brought up the Joe Zito
3: angle, because I think he brings kind of a almost action feel. Yes.
0: Uh, mm-hmm.
3: You know, like canon, like an invasion, you know, to action kind of feel that was real prevalent in his movies with canon uh, in the 80s. I tell you what, uh, Part Four, the final chapter. It's the one that I explained earlier. That's the one that I saw for the first time in the theaters at about nine years old. Shapes the you know my going experience for the rest of my life. I absolutely adore uh, Part Four. It's got the return of the great Tom Savini with his with his effects, mm-hmm. which are which are kick ass. Yeah, Crispin Glover, who is fun <laughs> as hell. With all this hoopla that's been going on with the uh, Back to the Future movies, I, I had to show my wife a couple minutes of. Of Final Chapter, I'm like, this this is George McFly. <laughs> did you, that was pretty funny to see.
1: Did you show her the dance?
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The dance or whatever. Oh, my God, it's um, wonderful. Yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, Final Chapter. I like the character development. And, and I have this kind of funny theory about Jason waking up in the board. And I shared it with uh, Jason Parker, who is the main guy behind Friday the 13th franchise.com, to kind of unofficial official Friday the 13th website that's out there, and when I had a chat with him on our show, I, we are kind of talking about that Jason really died at the end of part three, and he kind of leaned toward yes, and he was some kind of, came back from the dead, I guess, in four, but the way I look at it is, you know, Jason's a pretty effed up individual in terms of, in the looks department, am I right? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I kind of picture him having, you know, since his face is so deformed, I kind of... I think he's got some skull
0: deformities, you know, like a really thick skull in, in places. And I Homer Simpson him, uh, disease?
3: <laughs> yeah, right. So I see him, like, when Chris, you know, she swings this big heavy axe into his head, it hits the hockey mask, and then it sticks into his head, and I think, well, it's just enough maybe to give him a concussion. It <laughs> just, kind of, just kind of embed itself in his head a little bit. So then he kind of wakes up, oh, what's going on? He wakes up in the morgue, and then... Um,
0: you know, takes it out on the uh, the, on, the orderly and then on Fackler. <laughs> yeah, right. That's
3: and that's
1: Fackle. the one. That's the one thing that I, I wanted to talk about really quickly is this one. The cast of it is really strong, mm-hmm. just in terms of some of the actors and familiar faces. If you grew up with genre cinema, yeah. Um, Judy uh, Aronson, uh, the, oh she's just. Sorry not to get creepy here, but yeah, this was one of my favorite films because of her. But she was the brunette from Weird Science. Um, As Brian mentioned, we had Crispin Glover. Uh, We got Lauren Monson, uh, who was the last American Virgin. And then, uh, yeah, Bruce uh, Mahler from the Police Academy series. So you had a really kind of cool, eclectic uh, cast. I can't forget Corey. Oh, well, of course, Corey Feldman. And then you got, got, yeah, Corey Feldman, too. But wasn't Ted
3: White great as, as Jason?
0: I thought
1: he was fantastic. He's He's intimidating in this one. He's a big, burly dude, man. In fact, we had uh, the final chapter going on in the background here, and there's that that great scene where uh, I'm trying to remember her name. She's the final girl in this one, Um, but this is right Trish, yes, it's right before she dives out the window and he just has this little bit of a movement that he does towards her that's frightening because mm-hmm. he's moving quickly. Yeah. Like this is this is a Jason that still would run for you. And that's one of the things that to me is still kind of frightening about
2: him before he's zombified.
1: Yeah. When he just becomes Frankenstein and mm-hmm. has his own little, you know, snail's pace that he goes at. Uh, but they definitely had a bigger budget with this film and you can definitely see it. Um even just that establishing like that crane shot mm-hmm. at the very beginning when you still see the aftermath of part 3. Uh, it just, it works really well. It's a, it's a great movie, man. And as yeah, as you mentioned, Corey Feldman is in this, mm-hmm. you know. Uh,
2: and he introduces the whole Tommy Jarvis arc.
1: Yeah, this is the first of the kind of the Tommy Jarvis trilogy, if you will. Mm-hmm. And he's effective in this. He's very
2: effective for this.
1: He's basically like a Tom Savini stand-in mm-hmm. growing up, you right. know, for the most part. And uh, Genius and I were talking about this, and as much as we love the character of Tommy Jarvis, but he's just so... <laughs> awkward and (laughs) you know he's playing zaxxon with the freaking uh monster mask on i was just like you know this poor kid probably got his ass whooped in school a lot you know swirlies by the bunch and i identify him with him you know i got bullied a lot you know in school but it's just like oh that poor kid like you know (laughs) eventually he'll be appreciated but good god just what he had to go through initially in his elementary and middle school years (laughs) not good man weirdo weirdo uh, but yeah, oh, there's some really good kills in this one, and we also get another um, psychological takedown on Jason, mm-hmm. where you have Tommy Jarvis basically. Make, and again, what does this say about Jason? You know, we know he's probably a little bit slower, uh, maybe not the highest IQ, but the fact that you know it's, he's constantly <laughs> Poor being little
2: retard kid. He's
1: he's you know he's just he's constantly being taken down this way because you have Tommy somehow confusing him. Making him call back—is he feeling like empathetic or sympathetic towards him? You know, is he? What was his? What was his goal? You know, was it? Was it just? I'm going to make you remind you of what it's like to be young. I mean, seriously, it just—I'm looking at it. I get it with Jenny. I get what she was going for there. but Tommy, I still can't figure out what it was. Do you guys have any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, that's—I uh, wouldn't call
3: it a plot hole, but it's just, uh, I don't. Yeah, I, I, he's trying to give him to like. Basically, you know, like either like I'm like you or, or or something and it kind of makes Jason do that Michael Myers kind of tilt of the head you right. know? and he kind of and it's kind of weird because Jason's actually and uh, when I was watching it again he's like almost reaching out to Corey Feldman like, like like reaching out for for contact you know, not to grab him but to touch him it's just it's it's a creepy scene um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's
0: kind of it's a head scratcher in a little bit but it works I guess. Jerry. <laughs> Oh, what?
2: What? Jason was played by Jared from Subway. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> That's
1: when you had Chris Hansen come out. And he's like,
2: Why don't you go have a seat?
1: Yeah, Camp Crystal Lake 69, is that you?
2: <laughs> so, Jason, why'd you bring the machete and bubblegum wine coolers to the cabin?
1: <laughs> no, you got some great kills in this well, I just, one. I just, I, just, I just came to talk. I just uh... I just, Yeah. <laughs> We're going to watch some movies, <laughs> yeah. we're going to, you know,
2: <laughs> craft some special effects together. Netflix and chill. <laughs> I'm old. What does that mean? Netflix and chill? Yeah. Just uh, kind of... Well, it's watch movies and hang out, but it's code for like, come over and let's fuck.
1: Wow, really? Yeah. See, I would just assume, let's watch it's some Netflix movies and, and chill. Right. See, that's
2: what I think, too, because like, hey, you want to come over and watch Netflix and chill? I'm thinking, hey, we're going to pop, pop up some movies, hang out for a little bit, but apparently these kids today...
0: You
1: came over w- a few w- times with w- the
0: w-
2: gleam w- w- in your eye when I said, w- you know... <laughs> Netflix and chill. Like, right. Okay. Should I bring some bubblegum wine coolers? Is that what it is? That guy,
1: that's awful. Uh, no, I really like the whole arc of Tommy Jarvis for the most part, because um, he is—he's kind of a—he's—he's he's kind he's of a, a dork. He's an audience surrogate yeah. in many ways. Yeah, he's—he's you know? he's one of us. Yeah, and honestly, and this is the Reading biggest thing. Fangoria and shit. Oh, are you kidding? His work should have been in fangoria yeah like some of the stuff that he was coming up with and that's what i've always heard people go it just took me out of it i'm like really dude he's us come on yeah that took you out of it that you don't think this kid can craft that kind of special effect that's what took you out of the movie right <laughs> to me it just made him cooler like i said that was you wanted to be tommy jarvis you wanted to be that talented you wanted to be able to take down jason you know it's by shaving your head right
2: and getting all fester.
1: He did look a little festerish there, mm-hmm, didn't he? Yeah. And he actually, you, it's really weird because you get, um, it shows all those newspaper clippings, which is what kind of inspires him because you get that last shot of the little...
2: Is Tommy the right. new Jason?
1: Right. Oh, and that's what I really like with this one is it really could have gone that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, because ultimately, yeah, Jason, he Tommy Jarvis just hacks the shit out of him. I
2: think, fast forwarding, that's my favorite kill. Jason dying. Jason dying. Jason getting his killer. That's that's my favorite. It's
1: pretty movie. brutal, mm-hmm. and the way Corey and Corey Feldman he's a he was a good child actor. Um, his his reaction when he sees uh, Judy Aronson uh, undressing from across the way when he is just freaking out and just like reacting in this. Uh, I you know if I hadn't been his age I would have done the same shit. I'm 39. I still do the same thing. <laughs> you know when I see that scene I just think he's he was a really good young actor and he just the the fact they had all these really good actors playing really brought brought it a little air of not class per se
2: gravitas yeah
1: absolutely because this is the one that this is the the Friday the Thirteenth I will show people if they've never seen any of them because what I really like at the beginning is you get that like. 10-15 minute interlude where it basically shows you the highlights of
2: 1 through 3. Previously on Friday the 13th.
1: Right, uh, and I kind of like that. In fact, we um, recently we did uh, we do a monthly movie night here, Brian. And for October, I did a, a horror movie marathon where I showed a movie each from Friday the Thirteenth, Halloween, Nightmare on Street, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, and I started the whole thing off with Friday the Thirteenth Part Four, and I thought it was just because we have a lot of people sometimes that show up that have never seen these movies, and I was like, well, it gives you the you know that whole. Intro, mm-hmm. and then you get one of the better entries. And to me, so um, you know, what are your what are your overall thoughts, you guys, in terms of part four? Well, what I like about part
3: four, it wraps up, like you said, the um, you know this kind of this trilogy that we've been going with two, three, and four, and and like the, the kind of convoluted timeline that goes over. Uh, as I count, it's five days. So you know two, three, and four happen over the, over a span of five days. Um, the, the the kills in four. I don't even. I, I guess I would say the best or most gruesome or that's satisfying is Jason falling down on the machete. You know? mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah,
2: that's my fave.
3: I mean, that's amazing, but I like it when Rob died, because it's all dark in the basement, and Jason just going to town with that, you know, like that hand rake, and then uh, the guy Paul, when he's swimming back after seeing his <laughs> girlfriend stabbed in the uh, boat, and he gets the harpoon to the groin, right? Uh, Crispin Glover, he gets that <laughs> big oh. pad, where's the? Where's that fancy
0: Where's that corkscrew?
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as a matter of
3: fact, he
0: shows him right
3: over here. Here we go.
1: Unfortunately, and that's he, what happens when you're a dead fuck, apparently.
3: So, <laughs> right. and then he gets that sweet reverse shot of the of the machete going to cover oh, yeah. going to his head, and then later he's hung up on the door, crucified, and, and just chased. pushes him. Whoa. I mean, it's so bad! And then, <laughs> and then uh, it's another great kill. The last one I'll talk about is was uh, Axel in the morgue gets that the hacksaw to the neck. And yeah. then not only that, Jason turns his head at a 180. It's so violent. I mean, it, that's a pretty violent kill.
2: This is like so another I, mean one. This one is kind of got mean. God.
1: Because yeah, actually...
3: Savannah goes to town on it. I think Joe Zito was in his element. I don't know. He did the Prowler before it. And I don't think he did anything else like a horror film after that. I'm probably wrong. But he, he was in his element at that point. He was on his game.
1: Yeah, it's a solid mm-hmm. entry. And even the poor dog... You know, like the dog isn't safe in this damn movie. That's so messed up. Consensus is the dog
2: jumping out of the window or is he being thrown? It looks like to me he's jumping because I don't know why, but every time I see the dog jump out, I just go freedom. You know, like he's like I'm getting the fuck out of here.
0: I think he jumped because earlier in the movie,
3: Gordon—they're always looking for Gordon. Gordon's like always out the door. He's probably like fuck this, I'm out of here. (laughs)
1: You're smart the whole movie. <laughs> it's like y'all, y'all, t- you know, just jump on my tail. We got this shit.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah,
1: it's 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 an un- unbelievable, and it does leave you with the question: Is you know, has evil passed on to Tommy Jarvis? You know, is he the next carrier of this? Oh, you know, it's all it... that and
2: all Fangoria that he's been reading, right. and all that evil makeup he's been doing.
1: Odds are the kid listens to Iron Maiden and Metallica, so you know, you know, they're going to blame it on all that. But yeah, it just it's very ambiguous at the end because he gives that great little shot at the at the camera, and you're mm-hmm. like, oh shit does evil carry on and does it well let's find out because here uh friday the 13th part four came out in 1984 and then but a year later again we have friday the 13th a new beginning in 1985 and this is another one that if you go and you know peruse the internet it's kind of the red headed stepchild of the series which we'll get into later uh but directed by danny steinman written by martin katrosser david cohan and danny steinman this is an interesting one and i I'm going to defend it a little, and okay. I'm probably going to be in the minority here, but um, start us off, Brian. What are your thoughts on Friday the 13th, A New Beginning?
0: No, I got your back on this one. You
3: know, <laughs> it's funny. I, I, I always thought, like, I saw it a couple times, you know, like i read it on VHS, and I thought it was kind of ho-hum. But then when the remake came out in 09 and they reissued all the back classics, uh, the 1 through 8, uh, with remastered score, remastered picture, and they were selling the deluxe DVDs of it. Like Walmart was selling them for five bucks each, and I was nice. debating in the store, like, uh, should I get five and eight? Should I get five and eight? Uh, uh, fuck, it's ten bucks. So I'll get them. <laughs> so then I, you know, I watched them, and then I watched five, and then I, I, appreciated it more. Not that it's, it's not as good as one, two, three,
0: or four. No, no, yeah. it's, down in
3: qu- it's certainly down in quality, but uh, there's there's things that I laughed out loud at, and not because they were so bad, but it was like it was kind of funny to me. I don't know. It had pitch black humor. Um, the, the body count is ridiculous.
1: It's insane. I think That's, it's the highest of the uh, series.
3: Yeah, and most of the deaths are off screen. Like she's running through the forest, and oh, or Grandpa's throwing through the window, that kind of stuff. You know, you know, the, you know, like the, 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 guy, the, the guy that the guy that he's the orderly for the Unger's, uh Mental Health Institute, the Unger Mental Health Institute that drops off Tommy. He's reading porn in the ambulance, <laughs> and later he's. You know, he's picking up the hot shit the waitress in this restaurant that probably nobody goes to. He's yeah. snorting coke. I mean, it's just... <laughs> it's just not... I don't know. And those two guys from the 50s, the two punks... The
2: greasers. The greasers.
3: I was like, what, what is... Like, there's like all these things that just... They only exist in the movie to get killed yeah. for five minutes. I mean, there, there's no development to them. You don't get anything. There's no relationship, you know, anything in there. They're just in it just to show you. It, it's like here they are they're hatched now they're dispatched and, and it's just that kind of sleazy kind of shitty filmmaking that uh, uh you know it, it uh, for me i enjoy because it's a friday the 13th film but it's, technically it's a weaker entry
0: of course but you know i, I am glad that i spent five dollars Walmart.
1: The five dollars well spent well i know and a lot of people don't like this one because of the fact spoilers aside here this one jason Tom isn't jason, jason right it's, it's roy
2: yeah I'm I don't care much for this one. And it's not like it's a bad movie, but once again it's not as good as the other ones and I remember it's been a while since I've seen this one because I remember I've seen it like once or twice and I just kind of dismissed it. I'm just like, ah.
1: was it because of the fact that there was not it wasn't Jason was that kind of a slap think, to the face? I
2: think that was one, you know, that was one reason, but it was just like it didn't it didn't seem very satisfying to me you know i, I don't know why it, it i mean it had all the earmarks of a good one but i'm just like <sighs> it i'm glad you
1: mentioned it though brian because this one does seem sleazy to me because there's yeah. some shots in this one and i'm talking just the gratuitous nudity and don't yeah. get me wrong again
2: i no, we, we like we boobies.
1: love that uh but deborah Voorhees, and that's her real name of course who has probably one of the greatest like boob shots in this film i'm you know again laser pinpoint accuracy but i swear to this day you can see like up in her nether regions at one shot or two in this film because i was like as a kid you're like oh did I think I, and I, and I need to no I don't need in to do this was, yes, like, you, know, you, you don't need but like, you're gonna like, that's just <laughs> but I remember being kind of shocked by that going my god that was really filthy like I was not anticipating that in this film um, and then she of course gets the horrible Cropsy death with the this, garden shears yeah. really nasty stuff do you
2: think this was like a 42nd street type their grindhouse yeah, version of think it this is like their i
1: could see that i could yeah. see that because they just kind of were just like fuck it let's just make roy jason mm-hmm. and they even differentiate him with the hockey mask because yeah. in this one he's got the little blue markings on it rather than the, the red, red ones yeah which i thought was interesting um but i also thought this one was kind of like a scooby-doo episode as well kind of like part one because you you're under the impression is this Tommy Jarvis committing all these murders and they play it to the point where you're not sure where he's not necessarily sure what's going on because he's haunted Mm -hmm. by you know the specter of Jason and as you know is he carrying on it um two thing, two casts uh in here that i want to talk about uh we got a little bit of a return of the living dead here going on uh we got suicide the guy that played suicide because yeah. he's the one that goes off on the kid uh that <laughs> actually starts this whole thing because it was uh, roy's son that got killed and then also miguel nunez yeah as demon which i love i know right
2: joanna man
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice To me That is why I This one Elevates a little bit more For me For that scene When they're in The outhouse Just singing To each Oh It's so gloriously yeah. Wonderful
3: <laughs> It's You know When you're talking about It's kind of It's kind of Lazy filmmaking And it's kind of A shitty whodunit because Is that they, present they, for they me No hand, it's for me they, they, they kept their hand In this movie Way early You know what I'm saying Oh with with roy because they show him first of all standing kind of menacingly when he's going to pick up the body the so look on his face and then later when they pick up the two uh, uh, two fifties punks that are that are you know killed on the side of the road it's like okay like I guess it's Roy and I'm not just saying that now that
0: I've seen it a couple times I remember like oh what's up with this guy <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it's and it's it's very and you think about like did you know was he aware of the mythology of Jason was this just a way to like, why did he do it? What was the motivation, beyond beyond getting revenge for his kid, obviously, but why put on the ruse of Jason Voorhees?
2: Well, I mean, if you think about it, man, you already have a serial killer going out and apparently just going on a spree. Nobody caught him. Nobody did anything. It's almost like the perfect crime, man. You know what I'm saying? He can go and kill whatever and whoever and kids and, well not kids in this one but i mean just in like anything and like oh it must have been jason or crazy old tommy jarvis you know so the
1: ultimate red herring at this point right
2: yeah i can and see nobody that. would be the wiser they be like yeah okay sounds good to me but
1: by donning the mask do you achieve this jason like strength and the capacity to do <laughs> these crazy ass things you know because that's the that's the one thing you know even thinking back to the first one, you know, when thinking about Betsy Palmer underneath with the, the having the strength, you mm-hmm. know, to push the arrow through, you know, Kevin Bacon's throat like that, you're just like, Roy, it doesn't seem like you'd be that spectacular. Betsy you know? Palmer could take him down. Right. <laughs> Roy wouldn't stand a chance with him. Um, yeah, this one... And then ultimately, of course, it's not Tommy Jarvis it is Roy. Um, so you get Tommy Jarvis surviving the film. They uh, And they do off Roy in a pretty spectacular way with that bed of spikes. Mm-hmm. That in itself is kind of wonderful. But yeah, like you mentioned, Brian, this one has the most kills in the series. But a lot of them aren't done on on screen.
2: I think that's why also it took me out. Really? Yeah. Not that I'm a crazy gore, account, but I, mean, I am. You are. You but are. I am. But it's like, I don't want to see... Friday the Thirteenth light. You know what I'm saying? I want to sure. see. I don't want to see screens kills off screen in a Friday the Thirteenth movie. I want to see them front and center because I think at this point people are expecting that. Yeah,
1: yeah. There's a formula in the series at this point. Um, and it had some good kills, but yeah, unfortunately, I think this is about the time the MPAA ratings they really started hitting the Friday the Thirteenth movies mm-hmm. uh, because this is about the time when you get more kills off screen or you get just really quick shots of the deaths themselves. And that, to me, takes away from the film. Because like you said, you go to see that. So, uh, best kills, you guys, for Friday the 13th, A New Beginning.
3: Uh, I have to go out and say that there's not really very many good kills in this film. Most people get stabbed in the stomach. Uh, The the flare in the mouth is kind of funny.
1: The flare in the mouth is pretty good.
3: I like the strap around the head where where he gets crushed. So much much of it's getting cut out and I'll, I'll say that I thought... Jr. Getting his head chopped off when he's riding around and having a tirade on his motorcycle is kind of funny. And, and his mom uh, falling into her world's greatest stew is pretty good. But I don't know. The, the, the kills were kind of, you know, it's just. I don't know,
1: they weren't that great. I was gonna say you could tell just the the enthusiasm is like, mm-hmm. eh, you know. I think
2: they were trying to tell more story than <laughs> kills, and I think that's where it faltered. Because with the other ones, there was a balance between kills and story. I mean, and the and the kills kind of drove the story along, you know, in a weird sense. And then, so then, like we don't need to do it. let's do theater avant-garde you know what theater avant-garde was friday the 13th you know what i'm saying this doesn't really have a place yeah, in it no yeah i'm gonna
1: still go with uh deborah he's getting her eyes chopped out with the uh the hedge clippers there uh but well ultimately we we know it's not tommy jarvis it was roy roy is dead so what happens where do you go from here and unfortunately, uh, another, just another year later, good God, they were really churning out, these man. movies out. Uh, in 1986, we get Jason Lives, Friday the 13th, Part 6, written and directed by Tom McLaughlin. This is the one where we get Zombie Jason, and it starts this whole new spiel with the franchise. And I
2: think this one is my, one of my favorite ones. I mean, I really thoroughly enjoy this movie.
1: I you can probably apply the Star Trek theory to the Friday the Thirteenth movies in terms of the the even ones are the best ones. You know, two, four, and six are great. <laughs> right. Uh, but if you get anything between them, um, I don't know. I'm I'm a huge fan of this. But Brian, yeah, thoughts on uh, Jason Lives Friday the Thirteenth Part Six? This
0: one, this one would be
3: my favorite of out of all of them. I just uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, I saw it in the theater, and we bought tickets. Mm-hmm. To me and my friend bought tickets. For another movie, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head what it was. We snuck into this, saw the whole thing. I mean, I had a Friday the 13th uh, Part Six Jason Lives sticker nice. uh, that I put that I put on my trumpet case when I was uh, <laughs> uh, when I was in junior high. Band. I'm like, I like this this, uh, this movie. Uh, one of the great highlights of my my uh, brief career so far on the Necronomicast is we did an interview with Tom McLaughlin. And, oh, nice. and sure, I'll talk to you guys. You're like what a half hour, forty minutes. I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. So we got to to us for almost ninety, and we had to split it up into two shows. Because
0: nice. And it, was mostly, and it was just no, granted, it was him mostly just you no know, talking. We we give him a question,
3: and he talked you know for a long, 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 sure, long time. Sure, sure. Uh, but who were we to interrupt? It was Gold. But I, everything about this movie, I think it's one of the better Henry Maffredini scores. I think he stepped up and created some good themes mm-hmm. for this one. I like the effects. I like. I like the application of humor because it's still so scary. I like having little kids at the camp because that ended up uh, putting yeah. more tension in the film. The kids diving under the beds when Jason crashes the door. Yeah. Or and this is. When the
1: sheriff comes and yeah, this comes is the, the first time you actually have you're introduced to children at in the, the camp. camp.
3: Yeah. Yeah, you got a small car chase. You've got uh you know just just everything about it. I, Alice Cooper. Is, is, <laughs> you got Alice Cooper. Man behind yeah, the mask. You know, there's no, and, you know, and there's no nudity in this. No. And, and that sounds prudish, but this movie didn't need it, yeah. I, I thought. I mean, it still had hot chicks. Mm-hmm. But I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, like, uh, bummed out that there were, you know, it sounds weird to say. No, no, no. Uh, it, I mean,
2: it would have been nice.
3: Of, there, was enough, there was enough of a story, enough, uh, you know, the, the, the plot was it was driving throughout the whole thing. So I, I really, really liked Part 6, and it was so fun at Crypticon to me. Uh, Tom Matthews, who played uh, Tommy Jarvis, and just to shake his hand and say, man, you know, shit, Nineteen six, I was 12, and you were my hero for a while,
1: man. <laughs> and we get another Return of the Living Dead cast member uh-huh. coming back into the Friday the 13th franchise.
2: Okay. And who's, what's the name of the um, the final girl? Um, oh, the, uh, it's Megan. But the actress. Oh, Jennifer Cook. Yeah. She's hot. hot, hot. Oh, she's hot. She. She and she's wearing those like really tight jeans, shoves his head down in her crotch, get down! And he's like, oh, great shit, you know. She is, uh, Mwah. she is fine like wine, man. She's yeah. got that whole Kelly Bundy hair going on, dude. I was digging it, eating it's, it, it It's up. the hair,
1: it's truly nah. the hair. I'm glad you mentioned kind of the humor involved in this it film. Was
2: funny, it's just generally <laughs> some funny, funny kills.
1: There's, yeah, not even in the kills, but, but there's also really weird elements of it. Um, and we've talked about it before on the podcast, where I think this qualifies as a horror comedy.
2: Oh yeah, definitely.
1: Um, but there's even but the thing that really stuck out to me the last time I watched it is um, when the the little campers are all in their, their 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 beds, they're all reading, laying down. One of the kids is reading No Exit by Jean Paul Sartre. <laughs> right. And you're like, what the hell? And mm-hmm. but you realize, you know, that whole story about them being, you know, hell as people and all that kind of shit. And You're just like, what? That's it's yeah. it's absurd. But it's funny, right? I'm just like that's that's like something you'd see an airplane, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, it's just wonderful. Um, yeah, there's the American Express
2: bit. Uh, the getting the the happy face, the paintball, the paintball happy face.
1: And I love that, that that Jason is almost like a Batman in this one because he's got his little utility, utility belt. belt. Yeah, it's it's kind of incredible. But yeah, let's you know, uh, Tommy Jarvis basically goes to dig him up because he wants to be sure mm-hmm. that I'm gonna I'm gonna burn him up. Just be rid of him, and he gets that rage and he just starts stabbing him with the pull and in almost like
2: Frankenstein. Yes,
1: Universal Monsters has kind of a uh origin, Jason comes alive again.
2: And of course And looking gross and greatly gross, just the maggots and the worms and just wonderful. The
1: makeup job on Jason in this one is phenomenal. It's really good. Um yeah, no, this is the but um the whole zombified Jason I like that that they went this route in mm-hmm. terms of how to re kind of reinvigorate the franchise because where else do they go from part five?
2: Mm-hmm. they can't have another Roy
1: right you know, and that's almost kind of like I uh, hate to say it, but the friday the, um the Halloween part three when people freaked out because there was no Michael Myers. They were basically in the same thing here, the same vein. They're like, no, we're going to give you... J- shit. Jason is in the title. Mm-hmm. Jason, Jason is back. Lives. It's not It's not Roy lives. You know, it's <laughs> Jason lives, which was smart to me. And this was, I think, a great direction to go for the franchise, because mm-hmm. I think it really, like I said, it reinvigorated it.
2: Hello? You bet. Okay, so...
1: I'm with you guys. I'm just nodding my
0: head nodding your head doesn't work on a podcast no I know I we do the same things, <laughs> yeah. all
1: that um, I like the fact though when we touched upon it um, that the fact they did put kids in now, none of the kids died in the film but there was that sense of danger
2: and what did that kid say well, this is going to be one great summer or something like that just that one like tough kid it's like, like so what were you going to be when you do it? <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: I think that might be the best line in the movie. That is so funny. But they're very much like the audience surrogate. You're, when you're a kid watching this, you're like, "Oh shit! Mm-hmm. I've been at camp before." And... There's
0: a monster. I saw him out of the window. He was everywhere.
1: Oh, that's so scary. Uh, it's and then you get that great um, Jason. One of my there's two really good kills in here. But then this one isn't my favorite. But it, yeah, depending on the day of the week, it could be. But uh, when he accosts that couple in the RV
2: and he pushes her face that's my favorite
1: oh that's out. my
2: favorite kill in that in that in that movie and
1: then ultimately he takes out the driver The van flips and he gets out on top of it
2: as yeah, if just he's just, just like superman yes as as if he just bested this beast now this is kane's first no no, no, no that's no, no.
1: um uh, part seven is his first appearance. okay that's right that's right yeah the guy that actually played this one was pretty good actually yeah he did a great job i think he did a, uh brian you know his name off the top of your
2: head
3: yeah, it's C.J. Graham's his name, and he was a former what was he a Marine? So he was used to all this kind of training, and, and, and like this was like easy for him. He
2: brought his own utility belt. <laughs>
3: well, this he got that. He got that from the uh, from the, the paintballer. Yep. Yeah.
2: From the nerdy one. one. No, not the nerdy one. It was the one that was all pissed at the woman. Shot. Like, oh yeah, fucking broads going around shooting shit. They don't belong. They a not belong in a man's office. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> it's a. It's, yeah, it's a.
3: Always, I, I always think that movie kills, like you said, like like the woman who's you know she,
0: her face is pressed into the wall, mm-hmm. the triple beheading, mm-hmm. the, uh, the the heart being pulled out of Rorschach. Porsche, <laughs> yeah, uh,
2: the the the, the uh, impaling on the motorcycle, oh yeah, with a couple, yeah, yeah, and then yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. and then there's one that's, that's, that's it's implied, it's where uh, the, the the chick Paula, she gets, um, you know, he's in the cabin
2: with her, and just blood splatters everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it splashes up on the window, and then she's kind of thrown out a little bit, and he grabs her and pulls her back in. Mm-hmm. And say, you know, the sheriff, the sheriff comes in, there's no sign of her anywhere, but the room is covered. Covered. Blood, I mean, it's in the pop, it's in
0: the popcorn bowl, I mean, it's <laughs> everywhere, and so,
3: it, it just, that just, like, hits your imagination, like, like, every, I don't know how much blood is in a body, what do they say, <clears> seven <throat> gallons, something like
0: that?
2: Something. Yeah, there's, there's
3: like 12 gallons right. sprayed all over that
1: room. Amazing. They were watching some Sam Raimi films beforehand. <laughs> and they're like, that's not a bad idea. I think out
0: of
2: all of them, this has to be one of my favorite set of kills overall. You know, because yeah, yeah. it's a lot. It's, it's it,
0: the strongest top to bottom.
2: I think. Yeah, it's a f- they're fun kills too. Just and because you know where the red light goes, cha bang. <laughs> there are some
1: good that bit- Yeah,
3: that guy's got. He's such a sleazy. Uh, you know, his name Jeopardy Rick Colone,
1: I love that name. <laughs> yeah, there's good kill consistency in this mm-hmm. one, which you don't, which is kind of hard to do because they, there's an ebb and flow, and to, there's even
2: the breaking of the fourth wall right. in this one.
1: Some people That's have a strange, strange
2: sense of what is uh-huh. it? Yeah, sixth sense of humor. Hey, when you were talking to the director, did he tell you about his Mister Voorhees? Oh yeah, he mentioned it. Sure, absolutely. He
3: also had some ideas. Uh and it's on our show, I mean, I'm not giving away secrets or anything, but he had ideas, like, for other Friday the 13th films, like, he wanted to do something later, where, and it's been rumored that they wanted to do this in, in in the sequel to the 2009 reboot, he wanted to do something, like, almost have a gag where kids are playing hockey during, like, on Camp Crystal Lake during the winter, and you see Jason, like, wearing a hockey mask and his, his breath coming through the the holes in the mask i mean he gave us a lot
2: of shit on that show that's cool did that's you hear about mr Voorhees,
1: the one that like no no maybe i didn't I'm yeah kidding.
2: so anyway he wanted to introduce jason's dad as yeah, like Elias. yeah as like a keeper of like who knows all this shit that's going down and they never reveal him and it never went anywhere but so like
1: creating the mythology that yeah, they tried continue, to create later. yeah continuing
2: yeah. the mythology so it's interesting it's pretty cool it's on like i uh, one not want
3: yeah uh, does not kill Bob the caretaker, you know, the old drunk. He doesn't kill him. Um, they had they put that in later. But in the original script, uh, Mr. Borges, Elias, he's kinda like the man in black in the later Halloween. Mm-hmm. He comes back, he's very mysterious, and he you know, he pays Martin like you know, to take care of the graves and the last scene of the movie was supposed to be Elias staring at
0: Ray you know, with rage at the grave of his son or something
3: like that.
1: That would have been an be interesting little twist on everything. Yeah, it
2: would have been really cool to see him go in and see the continuation of it with Mr. Voorhees. I always thought that that would have been like a very cool next jumping point.
1: That yeah, just that's what they need is because unfortunately you, it's a great formula, works wonderfully. It but starts we're, going
2: off the rails right after this one,
1: right? Because we're six films into a franchise now, and you know how do you keep reinventing yourself? How do you keep it fresh? And this is definitely a, a great starting point. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this is honest. This is the, the start of the the zombie Jason quadrilogy, trilogy, yeah. what have you.
2: And this one, like I said, is probably my favorite one. And this one
1: also has the... Uh, this is where the sheriff gets his back broken.
2: He gets in some oh yoga God. positions. Yeah. Jeez, that's the worst, man. It's so bad. The sound effects
0: alone... Whoever made the sound effects for that movie, it's just like... Mm-hmm.
1: The ADR was great. That was yeah. the foley effects or whatever. Yeah, that was wonderful. And that, to me, is, that's my top kill with this one is that just nasty backbreaker, really? man. Yeah, just... It's just so visceral and nasty.
2: I, just, I, I gotta go with the, the whole, like, <laughs> face through the through the thing.
3: Yeah. Well, with, uh, for me to tie up this movie, what I liked about it, from top to bottom, up and down, beginning to end, it was just entertaining as hell. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Probably because it had that good balance between the horror and the comedy. It, was, it, was, it walked that fine line through, throughout, and it never... Overstepped each one. Right. It was never goofy, too goofy when it shouldn't be, and it wasn't too scary when it shouldn't be. It was just that perfect balance right through the middle, consistently.
1: Is this the one you show yeah. people? Like, in, if you if you have to show them a Friday the Thirteenth film, is this the one you show yeah. them? Okay.
2: Yeah, I think so because it introduces the zombie Jason that we're all used to now. Yeah. and it's it's oh, it, the people who aren't gorehounds have that levity. Yeah. The people who are gorehounds have that those fantastic kills. Just that whole her gurgling when he just puts her in the puddle. You know? And like when she goes, if anything if if horror movies have taught me anything if you see a guy in a mask you need to go the other way. And I mean and she realizes that
1: and a bit too late, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, we get Tarmy Jarvis taking down Jason, sinking him down to the bottom of Camp Crystal Lake. Mm-hmm. It's kind of wonderful, you know. But that's it's a great way to end it. But it also, in almost or, an organic way, sets up future sequels. Because yeah. obviously he's not going to be stuck down there forever. Yeah. Um, and which brings us then... Um, Two years later, we finally get a, a year break. Uh, 1988's Friday the 13th, Part 7 The New Blood. Directed by John Carl Buchler, uh, written by uh, Daryl Haney and Manuel Fidello. And John uh, Buchler, and it's Buchler. 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 I'm sorry, guys. Uh, he is a special effects guy. Mm hmm. And that's probably the most frustrating aspect of this film because yeah. I think this film had so much potential. Well, basically, the,
2: Carrie versus Jason.
1: Absolutely, and they just unfortunately this is the one the MPAA just cut to shit on. Uh, but yeah, Brian, what are your thoughts on Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven: The New Blood?
3: Yeah, another one of the films that me and my friend Paul bought a ticket to, and <laughs> you know, a PG. You know, there's another one we stuck into, so that's how we did it in Omaha. <laughs> um, seven. You know, I just I just finished the last half hour of it um, before I got on the line with you guys, and it's it, it, it's hard for me to separate its potential from what it is. Sure, um, sure. I, I don't. I, I think the music's not very good, and that's because they they didn't use Harry's score so much as they they used it from other movies and recycled it. He didn't have. I mean, he was given credit, but he didn't have input. They they just. Music from that was recorded from other movies and mixed it in with Fred Mullins' um, kind of moderny '80s synth guitar-y, um, atmospheric sounds. And I don't think that came off too good. Doesn't mix well. Uh, it, it's pretty much a ripoff of the Final Chapter in terms of plot. I mean, they even used scenes from Final Chapter, uh, auxiliary scenes, like when Jason, like when the two people are in the tent and the, the guy goes out to take his shit or whatever he does, and you see the the outside of the tent. Well. Earlier, it was a square tent, now it's round. That's oh! They used. Yeah, I, mean, I never picked up on that. Yeah, watch it again, and, and it, like, it's the yellow tent. First you see it it's kind of a hexagonal, or like a square flap tent in the front, and then later it's Rob Dyer from Part 4's uh, uh, domed yellow tent. they both hmm. yellow, but a different <laughs> shape. Um, you know, I, I think if, if they would have allowed a true version of the flick, I think it would have been a hell of a lot better. Um, I, I didn't like the end, with her dad popping out of the water only because you know I saw in the the Crystal Lake Memories book there are pictures of earlier makeup shots and trial runs of what her dad was going to look like from being ghostly to almost being zombie to being kind of rotting a little bit because he's been in the water so long and and what he got at the end was him kind of you know looking like he had a dirty face like a little (laughs) bit of pond scum on his head but I'll tell you what you know, I started with the negative, but I'm going to give it a positive. The makeup effects on Jason Bourne oh, himself are, yeah. are breathtaking. I think they're they're amazing. When he comes out of the water at the very beginning of, uh, of his of his getting out of the lake, just looking you gnarly. Back, you see his backbone. Yeah, that is is awesome. His face reveal, I think, is awesome. Yeah. Uh, they tried to incorporate the 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 wound from three mm-hmm. up on his face. You can see the machete mark from four chewed-up face from Part 6 with the boat propeller. I think I think uh, the look of Jason is pretty kick-ass. And I have to say, before I turn it over to you guys, that Terry Kaiser, who played Dr. Doctor Cruz, the, the bad psychiatrist, he is a native of Omaha, Nebraska.
1: No yeah.
3: shit. Yeah, he acted to uh, He, got his, he uh, uh, got his acting chops at our Omaha Community Playhouse back
1: Hmm. That's really... Omaha
2: represent, man. I think this... Fuck, fuck yeah,
3: River
2: City, man. <laughs> <laughs> There's trouble in River City. And it's not trouble right. with the a T, that rhymes with P, and that stands for pool. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, I think this one, though, has one of my favorite kills in the whole franchise. Would you be referring yeah. to... The sleeping bag one. I loved that. Do I remember... Saying, watching this and being like, "That was like the one, one of the one saving graces of this movie was just that crack," and then I was like, "Wow, that was fucking brutal. That was pretty brutal." You know, I was just like, "Damn, that is cold blooded."
0: cold blood
2: red
1: yeah, it right. truly is well and also this is the Kane Hodder's first appearance as Jason this is his first trip in the, as Jason and he he's great he's he, wonderful he, in this
2: he's he's Jason
1: and imagine and you know, he, he he has this like hulking presence to him yeah. he he's just all of his little movements really sell Jason as a character now mm-hmm. but it also makes him a little bit more frightening yeah. because it gives him just that little bit of
2: and Kane's a scary dude in real life man he's the nicest man, but he is
0: big and he's a man and
2: scary. And if you ask him to choke, him, like if he want, you want to choke you on the picture? Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, you think he's gonna? No, he grabs your fucking Adam's apple and squeezes. You are literally like grasping for breath, like take the fucking picture. You know, it's it's crazy. <laughs> That's, so yeah. have
1: you have you had a chance to meet him through yes. some of the conventions? Yeah,
2: I have, and like I'm saying, when I'm talking, like when he so, chokes yeah. you, I'm speaking from firsthand experience. He dug his claws into my meat. It was. It was crazy.
1: They say he was also very much method. Yeah. You know, in his approach to Jason and so Not talking to the
2: cast, just like giving them dirty looks. But you could see that. But he's the nicest dude. Of
1: course. Yeah. Of course. Well, they're always the gentle giants, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, this is one of those films that I remember seeing. And I loved the fact that, that he had a worthy adversary of a, Tom, a la Tommy Jarvis with the Carey stand in. Mm-hmm. And I just remember because these are the films that. As growing up they always scared me you know like a lot of us you know when you're eight or nine years old this kind of shit is scary and then when you watch it as a teen you can appreciate and go oh it's pretty cool and i can appreciate the scares but i just love the fact i just thought it was a cool element to bring in that he's got this just you know this telekinetic badass that's going to whoop his ass at the end
2: but it kind of left me flat did it after after everything you know you're seeing all our crazy superpowers and shit and i was like you could have Fucked them up a little bit more, you know. Well, budgetary reasons, and right. I'm sure
1: you know the uh, special effects.
2: Have you ever met Kane?
3: Oh me?
0: Yeah. No, the other guy I'm talking
3: to. idiot. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, uh, Kane. I did meet him. He uh, was at a he did a uh, personal appearance at an Omaha haunted house a number of years ago. My wife and I got his autograph. Uh, he's outside the paid admission area, and you can he'd sign like your ticket stub or if
0: you brought something in.
1: So nice. Well, he uh, recently at one of the conventions I saw donned the suit from Part Seven again, like the first time ever, and was uh, at a convention doing. Yeah, it was awesome because our friends uh, Zach and Erica got a great picture with him, and it it's still the, the costume still looks great, mm-hmm. which I think a testament to the guys that put it together. You mentioned uh, when are you he, talking? Are you talking screen used? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, it's it's incredible, and they said he just got right back into character again, you know, just like, you know, putting on just a, just a well-worn fit glove, mm-hmm. which I love, Yeah, but the, just the fact you could see his back when she finally snaps the hockey mask, and you get that reveal, like, like you said.
2: Like a monster, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. That was
1: always frightening and, to and me.
2: Oh yeah. oh yeah that's yeah he was a juicy jason <laughs> he
1: was a juicy jason man yeah again um yeah this is a fun one but again the MPAA really cut it to shit yeah. you know you you took away the good gore and you know uh, has talked about it that he's like i wasn't necessarily disappointed with the film but it's not my original vision yeah. you know and i i don't think we're ever going to get to see that because if you Given you know the, all the, re- the releases that have been put out, you'd think we'd get a director's cut of if it something. existed. Yeah. yeah, but since we haven't, it's kind of disheartening because I think you said it best, Brian. It's this had the potential to be really good, but ultimately the final product it mm-hmm. was pretty much flawed. But it that's, does.
0: Yeah, that's what I
1: think Yeah, but it does give us that sleeping bag death, which the MPA <laughs> cut it back. Rad.
2: They they originally shot it where I he's like slamming like five, six, seven times. Just Bam, 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 bam. bam. Yeah,
1: but they cut it back to that one. But the way they shot it, the way the the sound editing, yes, uh, to it, me that's almost great. more effective. Uh-huh. So that's a nice happy accident. I'm glad it exists. But like you said, ultimately um, uh, Tina brings back her father. He drags him back
2: down, yeah. and we get that's the where end- I lost it. Yeah. He could he could have, she could have easily like. Ripped him to shreds.
1: I you would have, I would have loved to have seen that. I would have loved to have seen with a bigger budget what they could have done with mm-hmm. that because I do think they were limited. And at this point, they were just doing some Steve Minor house esque, you know, right? Making the tools. snakes look yeah. like
2: metal cables look like. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it not definitely. It would have been cool if uh, you know if they did something
1: like if
3: she was really had all these telekinesis everything,
2: if they would have done the scanners around blew up the scanners. <laughs> <laughs> That would have been awesome. Just kaboom. Am I
1: right? Yeah. <laughs> see Michael Ironside just grinning going, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what happens, y'all. Um, but yeah, we...
2: Sissy SpaceX comes in like, that's my girl, you know.
1: <laughs> Jason gets bested again and leads us to Friday the 13th, Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan, which I think along with Part 5... As a lot of people's, just the the whipping boy is. I haven't seen a lot of support or defense for this film.
2: I'm going to support it. Will you? I support this movie. I'm I'm going to defend it. I I think there was some good kills, but there was some things in it that really aggravated me to the point where I was like, this movie just it 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 worked, but barely for me. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to defend it. Um, one thing that really got me, that really just angered me beyond belief in this movie, is when the, he's boxing Jason at the top, and he almost has him, almost has him, just one more hit, and he's got him off the thing, and he goes, "Take your best shot," Boop. you know that knock his block off. I was like. Dude, you
1: had him! Oh come on, he's a character in a movie. He's designed to die. But that rock and roll chick was sexy as hell, man. She was. She was. Oh, this was a. Uh, was it Kelly Hugh? Yes, I think this was one of her yeah. early roles. Yeah, this. It's an it. Jason Takes Manhattan. It's got a great trailer. It's got a great build-up, but, you know, and I, I don't flaw it for the fact that, you know, he doesn't get to New York till like three-quarters of the way through the mm-hmm. movie. I can understand
2: budget, what have you. Death by toxic waste. Really? No, no, really? Really?
1: The very fact that there's a babality in this film, Mortal Kombat <laughs> style, is troubling, you know? <laughs> yes. It's it's not the, something you expect. But Brian, what is, what is your take uh, with Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan?
0: Well, it's kind of,
3: nervous about this point in the show where we start getting to 8, 9, and 10 because I'm not going to be the best guest but um, (laughs) I I don't you know I don't have a lot of hate for this film but it's just again it's just um, man the franchise is feeling a little tired
0: throughout here
3: I appreciate a lot of the stuff that Rob Hedden was trying to do moving it out of Crystal Lake giving it a fresh perspective and I think some of it kind of works but at the same time there's just so many plot holes and this is where you see a lot more of the teleportation of Jason which I don't know if they really planned it that way like when there's a the guy running away from Jason he runs into the building like he's running away from Jason he runs into the ground level door of the building he's up on the second floor and Jason throws him out it was like what the <laughs> fuck is that what, what is that all about
2: he's got Rick's and portal then, gun <laughs> freaking right. Rick and, and Morty then, and then
3: when um when Rennie, the, the, the main girl you know those two guys the uh, what are their names Jojo and Holmes the, the um the, the gang members. Well, they like in the middle of the movie, they or at the end of the movie, an hour into it, they inject her with heroin and try
0: and rape her. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right, and then and then she's like this version that doesn't drink,
3: never had pot, whatever. And she's injected with street level New York heroin, and then she's she's got a clear head for the for the end of the film. I mean, <laughs> welcome to New York. Like, you know, I'm just like,
2: boy, I. I don't know. She's got a constitution like a <laughs> champ, man. It's all that clean living, man. It just, it just knocks the heroin right out of you.
0: L-I-V-I-N. <laughs> all
2: right, all right,
1: all right. Well, this film kind I of... Know,
3: I, I, liked, I think it, was kind of, it had some, some lazy aspects in terms of... She's having these flashbacks, and like, oh, uh, yeah. child Jason has hair, he doesn't have hair. He's got that kind of cheap makeup when he's yeah. appearing in the mirror, and... When he's pulling her down in the lake, when she has the flashback, he doesn't have the hair, and the it gets a little better. You know, I mean, it's just there's so many holes in it. It was just like I wish they would have just a consistency throughout the movie
0: that might have that might have saved it.
2: Uh, and the doctor was a cartoon character, basically. He he yeah. might as well like twirled a mustache and like, nah, if you will drown, if you don't sign the deed over to me, my darling. <laughs>
0: Right, you think he's gonna tie up to the
3: uh, trait room. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, but there was. I do
3: like the scene. I do like the scene where that uh, the, the blonde girl got like the slim, good body uh, anatomy painted on her. Yes,
2: slim, good body. A <laughs> good
0: call. Good nice call. call. Yeah, but you know, I mean, it's just... Uh... And then the ending kind of blows, but uh, I don't know. It's right the thirteenth film, so it's got to be good, right?
1: Uh, the ending of this is just so weirdly absurd Mm -hmm. it's belonged in a different movie right but this did reinforce my fear of street toughs you know (laughs) if you go into a downtown area you will get injected with heroin
2: possibly raped
1: yes so again this is why i never went near a downtown area but also the fact that the sewers were such a weird well i guess when this came out, there was still all the the New York was dirty still. Yes, but I did yes. like
2: the scene where he like where those street toughs try to confront Jason, and he just Picks like the mask off, right? And they're like, "Oh, okay, cool. No, you're you're good. You're good." But I
3: would like Not to
0: see he he kicks her ghetto blasters. Yeah, <laughs> he, just, he just fucking punts it, and that's it. He doesn't threaten them. He just punts her fucking radio.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of funny. I, I won't lie. That. I would have liked to see more interaction between Jason and New York. Itself, especially dirty New York. Maybe he like tries to hail a cab, or you know, <laughs> walks goes to a sex show, right? You know? Knocks over a hot dog cart. You know, maybe runs into a couple of chuds. You know, just kills a hooker or two. You know, I kind of wanted to see if Jason takes Manhattan. I wanted to see Jason take Manhattan.
1: Unfortunately, well, they let me, let, let me
3: give you guys this real close. I thought it would have been cool, and I've thought about this. Uh, we, we did a. Um, a, a bit on our show where Doug on our show, we he hasn't seen a lot of old, or not old, but classic horror films like, for example, American Werewolf in London. Mm-hmm. And so we have this bit where he watches a show and then we discuss his reactions to seeing a <laughs> movie we've all seen a million times. We talk about his first time he's losing his virginity with the movie, so to speak. And, and what, what, I, what, I'm, what I'm getting to is that at the end of American Werewolf in London, when when David turns into the werewolf, mm-hmm. and, he, and all hell breaks loose. Yes, Circus. I mean, all hell. You know, John Landis—he crashes more par- cop cars in this movie uh, than in uh, Blues Blues Brothers. *Brothers*. Yeah, and, you know, you know and, and there's there's mass pandemonium. People getting run over by cars. I thought it would be great if there was a fucking massacre of something. Exactly. Of Times Square. You know, like swinging the
2: machete. Cars are flying. Cops are getting their head chopped off. Just like you know, you, pandemonium.
3: You know, they, they, up their sticks and just beating out, you know, I'm
0: just mass pandemonium but mm-hmm. you know
2: it's just kind of just them see that's what that's exactly my point I mean he's got this whole like town the city that never sleeps that he can just start picking people off and just mad chaos and he chases after fucking snidely whiplash and like the girl you know don't yeah, introduce they're
0: trying to make car crashes
1: Fire trucks. You know, I sound like the guy from Bachelor Party, you know. All the things that make life worth living. Right, 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 right. No, I think this was an opportunity squandered.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Okay, so... (laughs) Yeah, that's... Oh, yeah, no, no crickets there. Yeah, this... I mean, honestly, and that's what's weird with these last you know the last four entries in the i don't have the nostalgia for them i don't have the love for them and i think a lot of it is just the fact that they were coming out when i was kind of venturing off into other realms still loved me some horror movies but they were just not good entries they were really they pale in comparison yeah. to the previous one and it wasn't enough no no we needed a little yeah. more
2: yeah a little more a
1: little more well, but we just didn't get it so uh yeah unfortunately jason somehow gets transformed by toxic waste into a little baby Jason in the sewers of New York. It is bizarre. It is absurd. It's it's again. It's a babality. You know, yeah. I was expecting a friendship ending <laughs> there as well. Well, there
2: was the finish him on the head on the with, rooftop of the decapitation. Yeah, and then there was a babality. Yeah, so maybe I need to like you know. Has
1: anyone played that uh, Mortal Kombat game where Jason is a playable character? Yeah. No, I bet. Okay, I wonder if maybe they incorporate babalities with that, and they make it a callback Baby to part Jason. eight. Yeah, if not, it's a lost opportunity. Um, so we we lose Jason there; he's uh, you know taken in by toxic waste. Nineteen ninety three comes around, uh, and we get Jason goes to hell. The final Friday, they put it out there. We've had the final chapter before. Now we're getting the final Friday, and this is another one that is also just beaten about by the online community friday the 13th fans in general and much like with part five the main thing is there's just really no jason (laughs) genius has got this like ah
2: are you going to defend are you do you like this
0: one
1: i like
2: this one i like it 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 a lot i really enjoyed this movie for the simple fact like where else do you go and I liked what they did with the mythology. I I, I know it was kind of corny and kind of crappy, and like there's a lot of people like, oh, that's bullshit. Just he's a worm from person to person, and blah blah blah. But I kind of liked it. I saw it in the movie theater, not and I when I walked out of the theater, people were saying that this movie was bullshit. But I was like, you know what? It was pretty good. There was some good kills. There was some there was some suspenseful moments there. Um, there was. Like a good like whole, almost kind of turned into a Halloween type like it got to kill by the family type thing. But overall, I did enjoy it. I didn't care much for the main guy. I thought he was kind of too wimpy to take on Jason the way he did. You know what I'm saying? But I, I did like the bounty hunter. I liked the bounty hunter a lot. And that whole scene with the cop and the dudes shaving him that creeped me the fuck out. I don't know why. It just, it just bothered me and i think that's why i liked it and then my the the thing that made me lose my shit above everything was at the very end when the (laughs) club comes up and takes him i was like fuck yes and but i remember enjoying this movie i remember like this was it was fun for what it was and the whole um oh what's that actor's name leslie the dude the short dude to play the short order cook with his big wife leslie, Le- jordan. Le- leslie jordan oh don't worry baby we're just going to sell these burgers and then they just you, you don't know how to make the burgers you gotta take the eye holes out because that's the Jason is. and when he just slams oh. that chick's mouth just i was like that's fucking awesome i like the kill i like the story i like the characters um i liked this movie
1: no, and, you, uh, okay, you are, in, in the internet uh, uh, world, you're technically in the minority, because this mm-hmm. is the one, but I have seen Defenders of it, and I'm glad to kind of see you as one of those. It's kind of, you know, fighting the good fight, you know, yeah. for the underrepresented. Uh, Brian, what's your thoughts on Jason Goes to Hell?
0: Well, I just watched this
3: again uh, last night with Doug from NecronamaCast. He had never seen it before. So nice. He, uh, he watched it for the first time, so it was fun to get his reaction out of it, too. <laughs> I saw this movie for the first time in the theaters. Funny story. It was
0: the first movie that I saw legally, <laughs> 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 you know, uh, in, in the theaters. Uh, part uh, Part
3: Eight. We were just talking about. I did. We We just went out and bought a ticket. We were not seventeen, and they and they sold us one. So I mean, that technically, I, I bought a ticket for that one, but I was in the house. Anyway, uh, I digress. We uh, We had a big party. My mom was out of town. We had a big party at my house. I'm like, yeah, we're gonna go see Friday the Thirteenth Part Nine, or you know, we're gonna go see Freddy vs. Friday, Friday, no, sorry, Jason uh, goes to hell. And we were partying, and we were going to go to, the, like, the 7.30 show, and it's, like, 7.25, and we're like, oh, man, I think we're going to go to the 9.15 show. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's where we were at the time. Uh, uh, okay, um, I'm not a hater of it. I I, I, I really enjoyed, like, the small... There, there's a lot of funny things. Like, the first 10 minutes were great.
0: You oh, know but- what I mean? It was, a <laughs> classic
3: Friday, it was a classic Friday stock, and I thought that was, like... like almost like a homage to the old movies mm-hmm. and then the FBI, you know, mm-hmm. sprung up and shot him. I'm like, that's like where the, that's where we severed the past. And and then this is like, the, this is where we're going now with this kind of chasing story. Uh, with the supernatural and whatnot. Um, I thought the effects were pretty kick-ass. It probably has Probably one of the top kills in the whole franchise in this movie, when the ladies in the tent riding the guy cow uh, cowgirl. Yes, yes. He yes.
0: takes, takes the fence post,
2: goes behind, and rips her half. Mm-hmm. That's gnarly. That
3: is awful. <laughs> yes. And it's, it, it's like I have the unrated version at home, and it is brutal. The
1: unrated version is that. gory uh, as hell. I, like, I think they put more
3: money into this in terms of effects and
0: and, and things like a production value.
3: I think it's filmed pretty well, Um, but I I, I, uh, I have to agree with you, man. The leading man was not convincing in any regard for me whatsoever. He's he's wearing like his high school jacket for the whole thing. Um, We were we were wondering why why is he so bad that he wasn't even allowed to see his baby after it was born, and then he's wearing those um, those those glasses and then
0: he gets into a fist fight and everything with jason and, and he's, he's like a mr badass it's Remember like he, it's,
2: it's like buddy holly's trying to kick his jason's ass i just it right. it just really yeah, took yeah. it really took and me it, out of it
0: yes it, it, it was a yes, it huge distraction it was an absolute distraction
3: i thought uh creighton duke the character was, was funny as hell <laughs> Stephen williams
1: kills it in this one man i love creighton duke yeah,
2: yeah like,
3: what, do you, what do you think of that Little girl in the pink dress pushing a hot dog through
0: a donut.
2: I'm like, What the <laughs> <laughs> Gimme your hand. Give me your hand.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, the whole break in the fingers, you know, and like, yeah, that was pretty cool. And I like how they uh, referenced the Evil Dead with the Necromalicon. Mm-hmm. And they they
0: referenced Creep Show with the
3: crate that was down in the Voorhees house in the basement too. So I did um,
2: not notice that. Holy shit. I'm gonna have to go back and watch it tonight. Gotta go back and
0: just watch that. When they go down the basement, you'll see the crate from Creepshow. Nice. Yeah. So I mean, it's that stuff. I'm like, yeah, there was somebody with the
3: brain putting it together. Unfortunately, the casting director. uh, (laughs) Yeah. You know. You know. It would
2: have been nice to have Tommy Jarvis. (laughs) Right,
3: right, right, right. If it was
2: Tommy's kid, you know.
1: Sure. Well, they create this really weird mythology, mythology and with they, like
2: the demon worm and like passing it on through like mouth loving
1: was that was that necessary did we need that with this film because yeah the uh the guy that's uh, the mortician or whatever the guy that's doing the autopsy on jason yeah. just that really weird moment where he's hypnotized by the by heart, the heart
2: and he ate it and i just thought that was gross i was like oh, it's gnarly was like, it was just black goo and that actor had been in tons of stuff before and he's a good actor and i thought he would have been a Good fucking Jason. Right. Just like you know
1: Just let him carry the word Yeah,
2: let him be Jason as But instead to we like, get this well, in the spirit of diversity we would have had an African American Right,
1: I would have appreciated that actually I yeah. think that could have, they could have brought a different element there. Um, I like the gore in this one um, and I really I do like what they were trying to do yes, because they had mentioned before um that the guys that did all this they were fans and they wanted to do something that was faithful to it but also take it in a new direction because mm-hmm. yeah we're nine films into this mm-hmm. franchise. You can't just rinse, repeat, you know, like a good shampoo. And they couldn't
2: have another uh, part five where it's one guy as Jason.
1: Well, they mixed it up. yeah. And uh, you've got Aaron. Well, and the, the, the most probably unfortunate part of me for this was Aaron Graves is in this. And, you know, I've had a crush on her since the Buck Rogers Silver Spoon days. And for her to get violated the way that happens in that movie... You didn't like the waitress
2: costume? No, no,
1: no. That was so <laughs> just cringe worthy for me when that happens. And uh, on that camp, uh, the camp crystal Lake yeah, back. And she's dead,
0: too. Yeah. Dead too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, but
1: they, she had mentioned that she wasn't aware that they, they had put that in without her knowledge. And so when she saw the movie the first time, she was seeing that scene. And she was like kind of repulsed by it. Like, why didn't you run this one by me here? Because right? I wasn't really cool with that. Ew, it's pretty nasty. Uh, but yeah, huge gore factor in this one. Mm-hmm. This one is probably one of the goriest
2: entries in the franchise. Well, five minutes, you got blood and guts splattered. They it, blow Jason to hell, which it, is smart though. Which is
1: good on Crystal Lake. Yeah, no, this is this is great because you get the whole idea now that Jason is people know him beyond the Crystal Lake area. Right. What's okay? What was the name of the the like that hard copy show? That they had segments yeah. of... American, Cre- American... Oh, I should have written... American crime, American... Yeah. American yeah.
0: something.
1: And, you know, Creighton Duke himself, he's basically like a bounty hunter of serial killers. Yeah.
2: He's like, like Quint.
1: He's Yeah, he's
3: like... <laughs> right. Eating
0: crackers.
2: For $100, I'll kill the beast. <laughs> well, he even
0: says... He even he even tops that Quint line. He says, you get the head... You get the whole damn thing. Mm-hmm. Which
1: thing it's kind of wonderful. I yeah, I like the character of Creighton Duke. Yeah, he he built he could have got. I should he should have gotten his own franchise, you know, somewhere. I, <laughs> the Creighton Duke Mysteries the or Crate something. Duke Chronicles. <laughs> Come on now, yeah, I would. No could have
0: had him go after Freddy for a movie, you know. I mean, I have, oh hell
1: yeah. yeah, he he should have shown up and you know he could have gotten away and then just oh damn it. you know he could have had his they, they could have, he's ahab mm-hmm. all of these you know supernatural demon killers you know those are his you know moby dicks i think there could have been something so much more with that mm-hmm. but unfortunately yeah it wasn't happening but genius as you said probably the thing that this movie is most well known for is that ending yeah when all of us fanboys collectively shit our pants mm-hmm. with the appearance of freddie's glove dragging it down to hell and that was a moment for me, I won't lie. I did see this one in the theater, and we, my buddies, we were just yeah,
0: uh-huh.
1: high-fiving, just so happy, like, oh my God, it's gonna happen. You're right? Brian, do you remember, what was your reaction when you saw that?
0: Oh, yeah, we, we freaked out. I mean, we, you know, we
3: were ecstatic. I mean, I think the whole, because it was a full theater, and that's what I like about <laughs> thinking about my time going back and watching these films in the theater. You know, it's, it's fun to sit in your basement and, you know, and you have a nice big screen and surround sound, and you got a buddy or two come over. But when you had a whole theater and people had been drinking and you know and, and sneaking, beers in the theater, and everybody was having a big time back in the nineties, and when you saw that, you saw Freddie's glove come up and pull the mask down, you knew. I mean, you couldn't wait. And mm-hmm. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was amazing. It was like an epiphany. Like this is really going to happen. And, you know, you hear people. You know, you hear people saying like, you know. We want to do this. We want to do this, and then finally, you saw it on screen that it was going—it was going to happen in yeah. some way,
2: baby. And wasn't that ad libbed too?
1: I Pardon? don't know if it was ad libbed. I know Kane Hodder uh, had his hand in the glove. Yeah. So we can say he's played Freddy at one point in That's his career. Uh, and uh, let's talk really quickly about the design of Jason in this one because this one he's even more grotesque and mm-hmm. gruesome. Where like his mask is basically like. The skin is basically growing over his mask. Yeah. He's very much a He's hulking, a, nasty a big,
2: brute in this one. He's demonic.
1: He is very demonic. Uh, I, I like that, and I just, unfortunately, I wish we would have had more of that Jason in it. You know, he basically bookends the film at this point. Mm-hmm.
2: I thought it was good. Yeah. Cool. I'm
3: sorry. As far as the look at Jason goes, Doug and I had a theory last night that, that maybe, you know, <laughs> excuse me, his head was very bulbous. It's very, um, almost like, the toxic. We were kind of <laughs> filling in the plot, filling in the plot holes that are inherent in these films. That maybe, perhaps, the toxic waste in Part Eight made his skin look like because he looked like the guy almost that got hit by the in Robocop. You know, yeah. like the toxic waste. The
0: toxic waste.
3: You know, started <laughs> bubbling and doing
0: stuff to Jason trying to tie it back and trying to
3: retrocast
1: you know that actually makes sense and that's probably you yeah. probably gave it more thought than they did on that one
0: unfortunately <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah we ultimately you get this really weird you know only a vorhees can be born with an Avorhees. he finally comes out they kill him drags him down to hell we had to wait 10 years for that freddy versus jason film this came out in 93 freddy versus jason came out in 2003 so that's 10 years mm-hmm. of you know a bazillion scripts development hell and all of us fanboys waiting Wait
2: patiently because
1: we were like you know what they teased us and then finally in 2001 we get the next entry in the friday the 13th friday the 13th franchise is jason x uh directed by james isaac written by todd farmer another one that i've seen on the internet get trashed a lot but i'll say it up now i like jason x a lot i like jason x a lot too brian what say you on this <coughs> excuse me uh
3: Jason X I agree with you I I like it and going back to what you guys said earlier it's like out of 12 films there's something for everybody in this franchise you know you've got your funnier ones you've got your brutal ones you got your gory ones you got your and so this one um they tried to you know like what are we gonna do I mean we've done this whole demonic thing of trading bodies so fuck it let's throw them into the future they got David Cronenberg yes I'm, mm-hmm. I'm so amazed with you know and um, it's funny, like, Jason has been apprehended by the FBI and he's in chirogenic state and, you know, and they, they're studying him because of his regenerative powers and all. I mean, it's, it's very, it's about, without rebooting it, where else are you going to go? Mm-hmm. And so they just went balls out, future, space, spaceships, everything else that you can, you know, Earth 2, virtual reality. I mean, it's, you know, uh, Todd Farmer, who, uh, he's written some good scripts over the years and he's done a lot of things. Uh this one makes me smile. Uh, I don't think it's particularly scary at all. No, uh, no. no, uh, no. There, there's 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 great kills in it. There's some funny ass shit in it. And uh you know I appreciate it. I really do appreciate everything they try to do with Jason X and you know I you know I'll take it. I take it any
0: day.
2: And you know what? I like this movie because for me it's a who's who of syndicated um syndicated sci-fi shows because it had people from one of my favorite shows was andromeda with kevin sorbo um there was another one there was one of the girls from cleopatra 25 25 was in it there was another one of the girls from um uh, mutant x you know all those like syndicated trashy kind of like offshoot sci-fi there was a little bit of those they were they were like oh that's lexic doing you know like she's andromeda she's fucking hot and like hey that robo chick that's the one from Andromeda too and the chick that gets her face cryogenically frozen and smash which is my favorite kill in that whole movie and probably the latter series um, she was from Mutant X and there's just like all all these Hmm. like little like kind of like who's who of basic cable or not even basic cable like UHF standards you know I I thought it was great because I was always watching those at the time and so when that hit me I was going through like a sci-fi phase, I guess you could say. So at that point in time, I'm like, this is perfect. I even I even bought the nanobots because I was like, yeah, I'm right there with you. Like, I get it. The nanobots are improving because of the decayed flesh. So they're doing work. So they're making Super Jason. I love this movie. Yeah.
1: I think it works because it doesn't take itself seriously. No. It, you know, they say, you know, franchises go out to space to die. But to me, this I was great. I really like this. And one. they it
2: even was- brought back the uh, sleeping bag. Yes, they did. Yeah. The, the,
1: the, when he ends up in that little hologram, holographic area.
2: And once again, confusing him. Yes. You know, just kind of like psychologically fucking with him for a bit.
1: Even Uber Jason, you know, right. has, it's great. Um, some good kills. The the, the, the cryogenic face-freezing kill is... Glorious. Spectacular. Just in how inventive it is and how mean it is yeah. for the most part. Because this, these aren't scary films. They're no. at the very end. They're more action oriented again Mm -hmm. you're going to see these kids
2: die and then when he was like confused with the robot he's like i thought thought i I just killed you why are you like up and about attacking me
1: it's it's kind of great there, and then that reveal of Uber Jason,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I liked it a lot. Yeah. I thought it was it was cheesy, but it but would kind of yeah, it was campy cheesy, yeah. and it fit the tone of the movie. And that's the thing I think that works with this film is tonally it's consistent. Mm-hmm. It's not going to take itself seriously. It knows what it's doing. It knows like, what it is. Like part six, yeah, very much like part six. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I would call this one so much a horror comedy but it's definitely horror sci-fi
2: yeah yeah, very, in that vein um, mm-hmm. I'm
1: not, I'm not going to show it with aliens by any means no uh,
2: but it really but it, I show it with Leprechaun in space or the Critters in space movie right
1: because those are fun I yeah. won't show it with Hellraiser in space because no. that's no good no nor uh, Event
2: Horizon because it's not as scary yeah, the Event Horizon that's, that's scary that's,
1: that's, sc- a, that's scary that's a great film uh, but you ultimately have uh, the way Jason is uh, put to his demise in this one he's, he's basically caught out in space, going towards the sun, which is kind of
2: great. But I love it. No, but he comes back. Oh, which when is great. No, 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 because that- no. The end of the movie, it pans down back on Earth, and there's two people at Crystal Lake, and they're like, "Hey, look, a shooting star!" I think it oh, landed that's over right. there. And so he's home. You
1: get this blob esque ending he's to home. it. Yeah, it's kind of it- yeah. He's, he's, yeah, they're on Earth
0: too, and they're like, "Oh, look, a shooting star!" You're absolutely right. So yeah.
1: It's kind of. I forgot. I forgot about that ending. Yeah. That worked. I need to watch that again because just even talking about it,
2: it, it the whole movie for me just worked. Yeah, yeah I thoroughly enjoyed. Vastly
1: this movie. underrated. Um, which then brings us. Um, we had to wait ten oh, years. Final, for Brian, oh. final thoughts on X. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. Final thoughts on Jason X. You know,
0: I, I thought Jason X for what for what it is and what they were trying to do. I think it works.
3: I think it totally works. It's, you know like I don't know if, I don't know if I can call it. You know, like when I think Friday the Thirteenth, I think you know the, the '80s ones, you know the Paramount ones and things like that. I mean, this technically is a Friday the Thirteenth film, but uh, it, it's it is what it is, and it's enjoyable to this day. I mean, I, I remember seeing it in the theater in 2002, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's enjoyable, man. You know, I don't I don't have any ill will to
2: this movie, at all. but it is very divisive. It is. There's a lot of people
3: well, that it is. you know, and I'll say this right now. Like I, I read a lot of the uh, different Facebook pages, oh, there's a lot of, every, there's a new one every day, and, and, and everybody's trading theories, and everybody's saying rumors, and especially about the new film, and the video game, and everything, there's a lot of, you know, and I, I say this tongue-in-cheek, I'm, I'm being as nice as I can, but there's a lot of people that take this shit way yeah. seriously, yeah. you know what I mean, and it's like, as a movie, I'll pop it in and watch it, I'll, I'll drink a couple beers, I'll mm-hmm. have some popcorn, we'll laugh about it, and you know what, I can still go back anytime and watch two, three, four, five, six, sure. one... You know I mean so for what it is I own a copy of it and I enjoy it yeah. God
0: bless us all
1: yeah, God, exactly.
2: God bless us all and there is a
1: really good my favorite kill uh, the the cryogenic free, the, the, that one's great but when he punches the hole in the spaceship and that girl gets sucked, sucked through, through. Yeah, that's pretty hard. That that's pretty good but
2: I do love when he was yeah, beating the other person with, the, with, the, sleeping with back. the sleeping bag yeah we love having premarital sex and smoking marijuana and he's like <laughs> Fuck yeah! Let's do this. <laughs> Y'all be talking to me direct, right. On that one,
1: yeah. It's it, it's it's a fun movie, man. I haven't had that much fun since Part Six, so I for me, this one kind of goes in the rotation. Uh, just in terms, that yep. I need I need to rewatch it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that takes us to 2003, uh, Freddy vs. Jason, which my god they tried to get this off the ground so many times like just unreal because they couldn't find a script that worked you know it's a great concept but how do you make it work give us an excuse to get these two together give us a good story to give us together and i won't lie this one yeah i'm still yeah yeah and i I don't know if it's because i don't know if i was in the demographic that they were going for at this point because this is 2003 I'm no longer that nine ten year old boy that's, you know, seeking these movies out. I'm more of an adult. Uh, this was directed by uh, Ronnie Yu, had done um, the, a couple of the child's play,
2: But he's never seen any of the He came with no Jay- yeah, previous no knowledge. Jason, no and that's
1: why they were really geared towards that, because they had a lot of these fanboys, basically, that were like, I would love to direct this. Here's what we're going to do. And they're like, no, 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 I think there's too many personal attachments. So I think it was a more j- objective view that they were going but for. I think
2: it didn't work.
1: It's a, This one is a Mortal Kombat movie. Yeah. Especially that final Freddy versus Jason showdown. Yeah. I was just a like, fight, and mm-hmm. just it's it's it didn't work for me because I I don't know I don't know.
2: I will get I will give it the fact that I liked the 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 story behind it. You know, Freddy's not getting enough attention he deserves. You know, he's like, okay, so I hey, I heard something else is going on over here, so let me. Fuck with him psychologically, like, like Freddy do. does, right. yeah. And let's let me kill in my name, basically. But and there was some good kills. Oh, there's some there's great kills, one. but at the same time, it felt very un the pacing wasn't great. The cast wasn't great. The
1: casting kind of hurt. And on like, this one. I'm well, like,
2: hey, let's get Destiny's Child in here. You know, it's
1: like, uh... and Kelly Rowland dropping that f bomb at the end. Which it didn't just, make sense. No, it was
2: really just. Didn't... And then if they wanted if they wanted Jay and Silent Bob so bad how come they couldn't get Jay and Silent
1: Bob oh god yeah that guy was just it was it was just distracting Yeah, and I think they were going for a younger audience for the most part Um, just the style the aesthetic the way it was shot it looked too crisp and clean for me Mm -hmm. like I want my I want these films dirty you know I want shot on film I want just an an unease to them but this one was
2: because Freddy's dirty Right. right at this point in time Freddy's dirty at this point in time Jason's very dirty Let's just make it as vile as we can because that's what we want. But we didn't get it. No, to me, this was just a very—it was too slick
1: for me. I don't know. But uh, Brian, what are your thoughts on Freddy vs. Jason?
3: You know, I'm glad they made the film. I'm yeah. Glad they made the film. Uh, it, it, it harkens back a little bit toward you know the olden days when they had you know Dracula vs. Wolfman, <laughs> and, you know where they where, where they would put you know these these screen legends together. So I, I'm. And you hear all these stories like they wanted to do Michael Myers and Pinhead, and they Mm -hmm. wanted to do... You know, they're always trying to think of, well, it took, it was in development hell forever, and I don't know if we'll ever see anything like it again between major franchise, monster, killer. I mean, this is about what we're going to get, you know. Uh, So I'm glad they made it. Um,
2: (laughs) That being said... Do you guys... Yeah, right,
3: here it comes. There's the other two. Sometimes, to me, it feels like it's a Nightmare on Elm Street film and not a Friday the 13th film. Uh, I'm not a big fan of uh, Ken Ken's Kersinger as Jason. I uh, I thought they should have just thrown uh, Kane back in there. I mm-hmm. wanted to do it, and like I heard something Ronnie use saying, you know, he 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 was he, really it? attracted to Ken's eyes and, and the depth of character that James <laughs> I mean, said he said sorrowful in of his eyes. I, was, I, was, I, was, I, was, I you know he should be wearing should should even have eyes. They should be all rotted out. Of his head. <laughs> right by now. Right. So, so he fell in love with his eyes. Great. Um, there's great special effects. Yeah, it's too slick. It looks like it's you know, made for the. Uh, I hate to say the MTV generation because that makes me sound old. No, but no, no it really it was. was. It, it really especially
1: was.
2: the Destiny Child.
3: You know, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It, uh, it, yeah, and it her the whole thing about the dark meat and the whole f bomb thing. You're right. It just it just played off kind of crass. And that sounds stupid to say about this kind of movie, but I mean, this is <laughs> unnecessary. Um, uh, I didn't appreciate the whole Freddie's scared of fire and Jason's scared of water. Right. Jason, Jason's jason been hiding in the lake killing people for movies. And movies mm-hmm. and he had no problem killing people in the lake before. No, no, no. Uh, uh, I did read one point where they were thinking, they are experimenting, thinking about uh, Freddy Krueger, maybe... Like molesting Jason
1: as a camp counselor. Yes, mm-hmm. I right. saw that. You know, and I thought, I, and I thought, well, if you're gonna go,
3: you know, like, if you're gonna do this. Let's make it dark. Let's sure. Make
0: this, let's let's make this
3: creepy. You know, it's you know, I don't think it was that scary, mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time, I thought the fight scene at the end. It, yes, it is very moral, moral combat, but it's bloody as hell. You finally got to see it, and it's it's on celluloid, and it's preserved for mm-hmm. the rest of the. The history of mankind. These yeah. two fought on a film, and you know, after a ten-year wait, I mean, like I was talking about uh, Jason goes uh, to hell. You know, we're partying in 1993. Before we go out to see this film, well shit, man. 2003. I'm I'm pushing 30. You know, I'm, I got a
0: house.
3: All <laughs>
1: so of a sudden, you have real-world world responsibilities. I, you know, I'm about. A, you know, I went from being party animal to a year away from the birth of my
3: first kid. So it's just like let's let's get this effing film.
0: In the can already. You watch this before I start, you know, getting AARP stuff
2: in the mail. <laughs> yeah, you can go to the movies with the senior discount, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And and I have to have dinner at four thirty, and I have to my mm-hmm. back still at the Sizzler. <laughs> so so you start you you start <laughs> you start Friday the Thirteenth sneaking into movies, and then you end the Friday the Thirteenth series with beginning the senior early matinee discount.
0: Right, right. I have to get home uh, to pay the babysitter. That's like, like, where I'm, you know, I'm at now. Dude. It's the
1: circle of life, man. Yeah, this one, it just—I right. don't think it was made for us, for the most part. They were trying to make it for the fans.
2: But see, that's the thing. We are the fans. The old school fans should—they should have. I know, I know, I know. I know I'm going to sound like a cantankerous old man, like I did in the Halloween movie, right? <laughs> in the Halloween episode. But at the same time. If you're going to take these two iconic characters that have been around for that long, why don't you cater to the ones who made them, who them, iconic? Made them yeah. iconic? Who are the fans from Git? You know?
1: Sure. No edge that's maybe maybe that's why the the main issue was bringing in Ronnie Yu because he didn't have the reverence for the material. He saw it more as just more of a little bit of a playpen but really couldn't give the good homage. And I
2: think that's that's they're bad. They know they wanted to go a first perspective with no bias or anything like that. But at the same time a movie like that should have been made by a fan. If it was made by a fan for the fans Multi-billion-dollar blockbuster on the hand,
1: and, and it actually—I mean, it did really well in the theater
2: because yeah, everybody wanted to see it. But at of the same course. time, everyone was like, "Man, this fucking talk." You know, yeah.
1: it was one of those that I remember walking away from, going, almost like when I saw Star Wars Episode One, going, it eh. mm. was it really good?'" Mm. You know, I just I just felt indifferent with it, and that's the worst thing is I didn't just—I didn't hate it. I didn't like it. I was like, "Meh," yeah. and that's not a good thing. No. You know, I want a, a good, you know, a, to elicit a good response, and mm-hmm. I didn't get it out of that yeah. one. It was very disappointing. So yeah, I was, but there were some good kills. In fact, uh, the and whole, also, the whole
2: party, the whole cornfield party we seen was great.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely, and that's where you see Jason take out a group of people that you should have seen. And in Jason Manhattan. takes Manhattan, yeah, the and we, whole chaos, yeah, and we get it there. But also, I'd like to mention uh, Catherine Isabel. Yes, film, yes 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 you know,
2: she's she friend of the podcast uh, mm-hmm. and
1: her boyfriend gets a gruesome death in fact that's my favorite kill from this film the. well before he gets scrunched up in the bed he gets stabbed repeatedly mm.
2: and violently with the machete because anybody that's gonna fuck with Catherine Isabel, it's not me that's, deserves to get their come up that's what stuff. happens that's what All happens right. so uh, did you have a good
1: favorite kill on that one brian well, first of all, let's back up a little bit. Hit stop, rewind. Catherine Isabel, she's a friend of the podcast. Well, no, fa- I should say, I should say, we love her on the podcast.
2: <laughs> we, oh. <laughs> yeah, we're fans, fans of her. Was I was, uh, was going to be very jealous. Yeah, because
3: she's, uh, she's
1: something else, right? She's awesome. Uh, love her. Right. Love her.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, like I said, I'm glad they made the film. I mean, I, I spent the money. I saw it twice. On right. Opening, <laughs> I mean, I own the on, DVD.
0: On, on, I saw it twice on opening weekend because I've been waiting forever to see it and. Uh,
3: you know, I, I pop it in every once in a while. It's not in my regular October rotation where I watch horror movies all the time during October. And mm-hmm. uh, but you know, like I said, I appreciate the fact that they got up their ass and they they got it done. You know, because
2: about fucking time, right?
3: They, they, yeah, really. Gosh, my word, ten years plus. You know, so they got mm-hmm. it, did it, and and, and the, the the ending was kind of funny. You know, with the whole
0: wink and everything, wink and yeah. a nod. And well, they. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I I like Robert. A. I was glad that, that he did yeah, and Apparently
2: there's rumors of another Freddy vs. Jason round Well, somewhere. I mean,
1: that's why they did it, to open it oh, up yeah. that way for the possibilities of a sequel, which we haven't seen, mm-hmm. because ultimately what happened with both of the franchises... They get it, their
2: gritty remake.
1: They got the remakes, the reboots, which, yeah, uh, 2009, Friday the 13th, the reboot, the remake.
2: I like this remake, more so especially than the nightmare on elm street one i thought the nightmare on elm street one was frivolous dumb and unnecessary this one i thought it it was it was well done it was more more fanboy you know i like the way that they took the first three and kind of just put them in like the reader's digest friday the, right. 13th.
1: the bathroom reader on that right. one right uh, and you've got uh, Derek Mears, his first time as Jason, mm-hmm. or I guess his only time technically. But
2: he—he's an opposing,
0: scary. And Jason. this is
1: again going harkening uh, back to the original, you know, uh, you know, human Jason. He's very fast. He runs after you, mm-hmm. which is kind of unsettling. There were some moments in this film I was just like, "Oh shit! Oh shit!" Yeah,
2: which surprised me when he's chasing that dude at the tree, and then he just like kind of he literally like normal Jason, just like. But he like leers back like he's pitching a ball and just like slam.
1: He has a physicality that we yeah. haven't seen a while since the Kane
2: hotter. Um, yeah, this film
1: though again this is also a very divisive film because people didn't want necessarily them to be remaking rebooting something because in it I'm iffy on remakes and reboots for the yeah. most part. You know I can understand why some of them need to exist. Some of them they're just you know for the most part ponying off of a name. Uh, Brian, what, what were your thoughts on Friday the Thirteenth the remake?
3: I will argue anybody at any time about this film that doesn't like it, because I think it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. I'll put it out there and just say it. And I saw this opening weekend with Scott Zimmerman, Zip, from our podcast. We went and saw it, and uh, I was floored. Uh, I just thought, finally, after everything we've talked about the last two and a half hours, after all these movies (laughs) and everything, we're we're getting something that gets back to what I fell in love with. And it was Scary Jason. Jason wearing the, 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 the potato sack or the yeah. head wrap. Mm-hmm. It was Jason stalking his prey. It was Jason protecting his turf. It was, uh, you know, the Good the old Jason. Creepy, it was the creepy woods again, making the woods scary. It was... Uh, it's, it's just everything. And, you know, we drop mythology. We just... And we get back to... The basics. There's, yeah, there's this guy who, I guess, pretty much will leave you alone unless you get into his territory then you better get the fuck out right now <laughs> and, 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 what, and parts of it that I love and I'll talk about this for a little bit sorry guys but no you're good you're good no, go for it I, I, I love I love the old woman and because I always fantasize about these characters and what, what maybe what the writers were thinking about when they were coming up with them and like this woman she knows something about Jason she knows she's like oh you know that so was he. You know, she, she, she starts going off a little bit about, you know, they, they, they didn't belong here. Your sister, she's not this. She's dead. And
0: like, she, she knows exactly what's going on with it, all
3: these people that are out there.
2: Is she like that old and, gypsy woman in the old uh, universals? I read it yeah, in yeah. your bones and the bones never lie. Yeah,
0: and I've gone round and round uh, with, with Friday nerds about this. I'm like,
3: she's the new prophet of doom. Yeah, you know, she is.
1: Blood curse. It's and got a movie. death curse.
3: Abel from Part Three. She's the prop of the dude, and I also think, what if it's like? Uh, I, I picture her, and I'm getting really confused. no. This is I
0: great, actually. No, I I'm I'm up up for this. Yeah, I picture
3: her like putting out table scraps out at the corner of her yard, <laughs> right, and, and maybe setting out some clothes for Jason because he's going around at everybody's camp in this area of the woods, and he's like uh, stealing kerosene. He's stealing this and that. To, right, so he's picking up biscuits. these old, he's living in these old mining tunnels and.
1: And, uh... He's off the grid at this just, point.
3: He's <laughs> sour
0: note, right? And, go
2: ahead, man. Go ahead. No, no, no. We're just talking about like he's kind of like a yogi bear type, doing living and off like, the land, living off the land. Some old prospector, like God damn it, these kids getting them my land again. <laughs> <laughs> and I love,
3: I love how the movie was constructed. Like the whole first twenty minutes is a movie mm-hmm. in One. itself. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you're introduced to these characters. Just wipes them all out, save Whitney. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when we first see Jason, when he leaps out of that basement, you
0: know it's on. Yeah. I think there's a great, There's they harken back to
2: the sleepy bag and slam death, yeah. and the woman being roasted alive. Oh, that was. Yes. Vicious. That was, yeah. This was, like you yeah, said, it's scary, Jason. Welcome back.
0: Yeah, and then and
3: Richie's stepping into the bear trap, and then getting yes. you know, machete right in his forehead Yes. patched right away. You know, there's a funny thing. I was talking with Zip about this. You guys seen the movie Blue Velvet?
1: Oh, with yeah. uh, David, yeah, mm-hmm. David Lynch.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a scene in there, uh, and we, we froze it and we did the captions. There's a whole... The, the scene where they're talking about, fuck that Euro shit. Paps.
1: Blue Paps Ribbon. Blue Ribbon, yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, when they're sitting around the campfire, they're like, oh, you got this Heineken shit? And they're like, fuck this
1: Euro shit. We got Paps, Blue American Ribbon. Well, oh, that was like, straight up Blue Velvet. Holy shit. Yeah, so like any movie that quotes Dave Lynch... <laughs> you know, they're okay like, in my book.
2: Right. That's why I said this is a you know fan movie... Ma- this is a movie made by a fan for fans. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. When Jason, when they're crawling around in those, when they around in those um, uh, tunnels, there's a, a harpoon gun that's hanging on the wall. There's the old, uh, there's a, there's a wheelchair hanging on the wall. In yeah. place.
0: So, yeah. And
3: then one part that I really love, and I'll shut up after this. When they're in the beginning, when they're in, they find Jason's old childhood bed, and it's like Pamela Voorhees's old house. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Mm-hmm. The part where uh, she looks and, and she, there's like a display or all these old. Counselor whistles are hanging up, and I'm like, "Shit, man! She, that's like all the counselors she's killed. These are like her trophies. Yeah, yeah. You know, of all the count. God damn, man! I'm sorry, but I think I think uh, for every goofy, dumb thing Platinum Dunes has done in the last 12
0: years, <laughs> you no, know, so. this was Friday good. 13, Friday 13th, 2009, is not one of
2: them. Yeah, no, this was a great. And like we talked before, remakes. We even have a segment we call Remake or Mistake where we talk about how, is it as good as the original, or is it better, is it ad, is it worse, whatever. This one, I think, is one of the better remakes of, of yeah, any of the it's, franchises. It's, it's befitting. It's, it's
3: befitting. It, it lives up to uh, some of the legacy of the, the film. Mm-hmm. It's not surpassing it, but I mean, I, I think Friday the 13th, 2009 is a solid film. Yeah. The it, only gripe, and it's a very, very small
0: one that I would have is, I didn't dig the score too much, but... You know, the atmosphere of
1: the film great. Mm-hmm. No, the atmosphere is what sold me on this one. And it's way better than the Nightmare Remake. Yes, yes. And oh, and God. the guy that did this, Marcus Nispel, um, he also helmed the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Remake. Which was a good one, too. Which I don't think is that bad. I think it's unfairly right. maligned. Oh. Um, he's, yeah, yeah, he's got a very specific style and a look. Mm-hmm. Just in terms of the the way that the films, all those films, kind of have a glossy feel, but they also feel kind of dirty. Dirty, yeah. And I'm glad they, mean. yeah, they're
2: mean films.
1: Is Jason, yeah, is is a throwback, yeah. and they have all these little details which mm-hmm. shows, yes, we understand we're fans of this, we're going to give it, but it's not overt or in your face, and it's
2: not like it's not super fan service. No, no, it's know?
1: not like hey, kids, it's Mark Hamill. No, right,
2: it's, it, it, it's it's acceptable to the casual fan, but it treats to the hardcore fan.
1: Yeah, and I'm yeah, curious. And we no, go ahead, Brian.
3: Marcus, Marcus's director of photography is Daniel Pearl, and he did Texas Chainsaw Massacre: The Remake and Friday the Thirteenth, two thousand nine. But, but Daniel Pearl was the the uh, director of photography for
0: the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Holy shit! Right. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, he knows his
3: horror. And that's why you, you're you're absolutely right when you say you've got this look to the film. that's absolutely you know they, they did their homework. I, I think um, I think I don't understand why people. I mean, why people
2: I mean, shit on this one? Because it's the remake. It's that remake stigma. Now, I yeah, like. Yeah, I'm whatever. very vocal about my anti-Halloween remake, but I think this one was done well, done 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 correctly, as opposed to because it paid homage. It went into a slightly different direction, but it still kept the same spirit of the. And the I really first like
1: one. how they almost tried to address the the teleportation of Jason with his little little cubby holes and the tunnels mm-hmm. and everything that he knows is so intimately well yeah and also it's really kind of funny the fact that he's protecting a pot farm for the most part <laughs> yeah so you know i don't know if we you know it's a hearkening back to the hillbilly jason but you know the the jason with the munchies mm-hmm. you know uh jason just blowing big bond rips uh now this one is a lot of fun yeah it's brutal it's mean it it's a it's a true throwback mm-hmm. and i think eventually it will get the, 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 the love it deserves i think so i think a little time will pass on On that one
2: so okay so i have a couple of questions and this is going to go off we're Mm -hmm. not on a tangent now speaking keeping in the the vein of the friday the 13th movies there's a couple of things i want to ask you on how you feel and some of your things uh, of what you're talking about one um have you read the Freddy versus jason versus ash nope no that is a good read there's part two there's two of them and so basically what they say it, it's this is like before the remake and it takes directly from freddie versus jason and so from the start the final girl Catherine and isabella and then go back to jason's uh they, they go to crystal lake to make sure everything is hunky-dory and they get just wiped out and so when they get wiped out all of a sudden ash comes to try to save somebody because they're going these hot these hot chicks are going camping and he's like, well, shit, I'll go, too, right? So he goes, and sure enough, he comes in with Jason, and then there's Freddy, and then and it's a well-done series. And they kind of give it an origin to tie everything together, where um, Mrs. Voorhees, once Jason died, found and used the Necronomicon to bring back Jason, and that's why he's some sort of unstoppable monster.
0: Oh, jeez.
2: Yeah, and, and then in, in part two, they, they amp up everything because they think that Ash feels that he's won, but then he realizes that he doesn't. Freddy wants to use the Necronomicon to bring a demon swarm, right, to destroy everybody. So Ash gets the help from Tommy Jarvis, from uh, uh, Alice's kids, and Alice. And even the uh, telekinesis chick from Part Three, Tina. Tina. They all kind of come back, and they're like kind of Ash's like team against these monsters. And it's really, really a fun, good read.
1: It's a good read, but would it make a good movie?
2: Yes, it would make I mean, a spectacular, spectacular movie.
1: Uh, you know, but what you know what will happen though? Is they'll give it to some director that's never seen Evil Dead, never seen Nightmare, never seen Friday, uh, and it'll be a clusterfuck. Yeah,
2: and then also. <laughs> Did you play the old uh, Friday the Thirteenth on the Nintendo? Oh yeah. What? What, <laughs> what did you think?
0: Well, I never advanced very. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I think I could, yeah. I don't think I. You know, it's one of those games where you never you never get
3: conquered, right? No. Like, I,
0: don't, I don't think anybody ever
2: conquered. There's some pictures on YouTube of that, but I think it's all like emulators, and, game genies, and, yeah, game genies and shit. And what do you feel about the uh, new game coming up?
3: Well, I saw. I've been reading about it, uh, it. You know, they were first calling it. What were they calling it? Summer camp. Summer camp. Summer like camp. Yeah, and then they uh, revealed it, that the screenshots look great, and they say it's uh, you know pattern after Kane Hodder did the uh, motion cap. The, the motion, yeah, sure. And then uh, Harry's doing the score. Uh huh. And, and um, Tom Savini's the.
2: Tom Savini's working on it.
3: Yeah, he's he's, he's creating some of the uh, the look of the effects. Okay. So, you know, I think I think there's a lot of you know. And then they're talking about this uh, this TV series that they want to boot on CW. Now, as we take this, you know, they were supposed to be making you know the next Friday the Thirteenth the Thirteenth film. And as 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 we go to the press here, as we record <laughs> the show, this this week this week they said that uh, well. Uh, we're pushing it now to January of 2017, and it looks like they're looking for a new writer because, um, like, evidently, they're not using the script from Mr. Nick and Tosca, who turned in the most recent draft over the summer. No, uh, and, is this gonna- and that makes me sad on a personal level because at the, I'll just give it away. But at the Necronomicon, we were working on getting uh, Nick on the show. Oh wow! And he's he's going to be on the show, but it's not. We're not. Talking about Friday the 13th. Looks like they're not going to use his script.
1: So uh, no. he's, he's got a movie coming out in January that he wrote with David Goyer. And, uh, oh, that's that's David Goyer, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah that's, that's David. What,
2: that's that's legit right there. Yeah, yeah, he's doing all right. Yeah, right. So so we're working on that. But yeah, I was just like, man, you know, push back again. You wow. Push back again. Like, how hard is it to you
0: know, give the fans what they want?
2: Is it going to be a direct sequel to the remake, or is it going to be canon in the past ones? Well,
0: I'll tell
3: you, no, we have not, you know, I'm not talking like a big shot here. We have not talked to Nick, and I I have no idea what his script was, except for what they said in published interviews where everybody reads everything, like the bloody disgusting and stuff. Yeah. The, the, The hook that they were going for for the next film was to set it back in the 80s and to have it at an operating summer camp. And the rumors, 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 was that it was supposed to be like at the end of the summer, Kids are going home, and the counselors are at the camp for the last days of their employment, like cleaning up the camp, getting it ready for winter, things like that. And then all hell breaks loose. So mm-hmm. that was a, that was a rumor, and that's not substantiated at all. But but I, you know, and I hear that they're looking for another direction. And they don't you know. Paramount doesn't know if they want to go back to the eighties. I'm just like, God, God, you know, like, for the amount of time that you guys waste.
2: Right. <laughs> they could they could have made it in the eighties <laughs> and. You know, it's just like you know, if you make a movie for thirteen million, it's almost guaranteed to make fifty or sixty mm-hmm. not right. a bad day, especially a Friday the Thirteenth one. Right. So I don't know
3: we're, the future of the franchise is. You know, we, we got this television thing in development. We got the game, which looks actually pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And evidently, there's going to be a movie
2: someday. Yeah. Someday. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, were you disappointed when you first saw Friday the Thirteenth, the series, and realized that it had nothing to do with Crystal Lake, but a uh, Antique store what an antique store
3: Yeah I mean I remember Staying up uh, I had an old Black and white TV That my parents um, Had in the basement And uh, I remember going down Cause it was like Didn't it go up against Saturday Night Live Was it like on a Friday or Saturday night Like late at night Or maybe it was syndicated So it was up to The individual Yeah speakers. it was syndicated so I remember I remember turning on the TV and it would crackle on. And it was black and white, and I'd move the rabbit ears and I'd watch it. and I'm like, "What? What is this? What is this all about?" And you know, the, the main the main young guy in it was the guy that was the uh, the
0: lead in Jason Goes to Hell.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Mistake one. M- he, he, Mister, kind of nerdy. You
0: know, in other words, you know, he looked like the kind of guy that should be working in an empty.
2: Not <laughs> <laughs> fighting the devil. Fix my watch, nerd. <laughs> Well, it's figure, been—it's
1: <laughs> <laughs> been a pretty crazy journey here. Uh, we, you know, Friday the Thirteenth will continue to, I think, inspire through the past films. Like you know, we talked about the future. There's a lot of stuff going on with it, but you know, we're forever fans. We'll always, eventually, one way or another imbibe it, ingest it, mm-hmm. make it part of our lives. Brian, thank you so much for taking the time to do this, man. I know this has been a uh, a long-winded podcast, but I appreciate you bringing in your insight and your thoughts on this, man. This has been a blast.
2: Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Yeah,
3: us birds of a feather got to stick together. And I mm-hmm. tell you what, you guys, you know, you were really kind at the top of the show, talking about how you enjoyed our show. And just let me say that since August, when we met you guys and had you uh, do the little live interview on our show, uh, I've gone back and listened to your shows, and you guys do it. You guys do a great job too and it's just so much fun to listen to what technology has brought us in terms of being able to broadcast from
0: mm-hmm.
3: our home studios and our basements or, or, or whatever wherever we're at and connect with people of like mind and just have a good time and talk about stuff and you guys uh, I really appreciate everything that you've done having me on the show and the communications with the emails back and forth and, and I, I look forward to spreading the word about, about your show and our time together and just thanks for everything. No worries, man. No,
1: that's yeah. awesome. Uh, thanks, remind our man. listeners again where can they find yeah. you guys out on the social media? You can
3: find us at the Necrop <laughs> <laughs> stop, well, right, stop it. Don't type it. It's <laughs> And you can find us uh, on all the
0: on all the social media. Every every place the kids go nowadays. Young kids. <laughs>
2: The, the snapchats the twitters <laughs> the tinder the, the tinder the yeah. grinder
0: right.
1: <laughs> 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 oh man well genius is always my friend thank you for involving us and how doing everything g- 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 g. and on that note uh my name is greg d i'm
2: genius mcgee
1: reminding you it is never too late to get nerdy about nostalgia and we will see you in your dreams <laughs>